Apple yep. discontinued the iPod <laughs> after 20 years. The iPod Touch, yeah, is gone. <laughs> um, it was interesting, too, because they, they put out, you know, that it's still available while supplies last. And virtually all of the the Apple-following tech podcasts and, and blogs and, and news you know organizations put out, like, just slightly later in the day, okay, they're sold out. They're all gone. So... So, yeah, um, yeah. I I think that there were some people who were like nostalgic and wanted to grab one. And I think there are also some people who are speculators and said, grab one quick because you'll be able to resell it, you know, turn it around pretty fast and, and, you know, double your money. For more, right. Yeah. Never making them anymore. (laughs) I got I Uh have to go. I have two iPods. I have one of the uh, phone-like iPods, iPod Touch, and, and another one of the, uh, yeah, the old with a little wheel, wheel on yeah. it, you know, and it's and it right. and it's got lots of memory, which I like. But but by far, it seems to me the uh, point being made by people who comment on iPod versus iPhone is is that I hate somebody yeah. disrupting my music. Yeah, yeah. This way, you don't get any <laughs> phone calls, but you do still get notifications. I guess you could turn notifications and stuff off. You know, yeah, but you got your phone yeah, sitting right beside exactly. you. Exactly, so thinking, you're still you know, going to get while you're using it. You're still, yeah, whether it's on the same ring, device you know? or not, right? <laughs> it's not like you're going to go hide your your phone in a in a in a drawer somewhere while you're listening to your iPod. Yeah, right. Yeah, so or either that or put a phone right. On yeah, it so that's that's silence, probably the, you know so. put it and do not disturb, and then and then you won't get notified, but. But, yeah, you know, my thing with the iPod Touch, because I always thought it was an interesting device, and several times over the last few years I've actually considered buying one, but it was they it was always so far behind as far as the hardware, and they never upgraded beyond the little 4-inch screen. So it was the size of, of uh, you know, basically like an iPhone 5 or something. You know, it was a really tiny screen. And, it's, and, and I always thought that, you know, that yeah. would have been a really, yeah. really good um, for a lot of parents, like as a gaming device, if they'd have just put a decent screen on it, but it, they never did. It always had just the bare minimum, you know, so you can see what songs you're playing. They literally looked at it as a well, as a an iPod and nothing else. And it really was a handheld computer that didn't have cellular, is what it was. And and, and the price was still too high. See, if they'd have charged a high price by making a bigger screen, yeah. be, I mean, they'd have sold some. But they'd have yeah. lost some other customers, you see. Well, and I so think what happened is, is that a lot of people who would have who who would who considered buying an iPod were buying like a used iPhone that had the bigger screen that was nicer for probably the same or less. I mean, you could get those things for you know one ninety nine, and that's and that's half the price yeah. of the current new smallest cheapest phone. And it had you know, and but it was a, yeah. a significantly smaller screen too, you know. <laughs> I mean, this, the the SE is four fifty, yeah. and it's well, and it has a screen that's the same as an iPhone eight or iPhone seven or a six, or, you know, that generation. Well, and this thing was well, the size of an iPhone five. It was tiny. Well, you know that you know they put the screen on there only to give you right. videos. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. This thing's for videos, but of well, course, yeah, kids, I mean, they, you know, you know how many goods, kids so watch videos on their phones these days. I mean, that's where they watch them is, is on their phones. Um, you know, I occasionally yeah. watch videos on my phone. Yeah. It's not like it's that you know ridiculously small, but but you know, I mean, it's not like I'm going to sit and watch a long movie that way unless I'm stuck somewhere and that's the only device I've got. It's not my preferred device for watching anything other than just short videos. You know, 
It's like it's like writing. I'll write something but, out on my but, phone, but nothing long. You know, I'm not I'm not writing a long email or putting together a, a, a you know a, a presentation or something on a phone. Well, lately I must have changed something on my iPhone because I can't even listen to audio on it. And if I just leave it sit there a little while, the screen goes black and it shuts it off. And mm. audio never used to do that. So I, yeah. I, I messed it up somehow. Yeah, you have to look at some kind of setting because you're right. When the, oh. Even if the device screen goes to sleep, the music should still be playing in the background. That's the whole Absolutely. point of it. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know what – just just one of those things that somehow I uh-huh. messing around and thought I was doing something innocent. And, and the worst part is that now you don't know what up, it was. You know? <laughs> it's like it's going to require a fair amount of effort That's to right. go back and figure out exactly where that setting is or whatever it is that you do got out of whack. I wish I could just tell you, oh, I know that one, but that's, that doesn't pop into my head right away either. So, but you know, I mean, as yeah. as they said in their in their news release, it's you know it's the end of this device, but certainly not the end of Apple Music. You know, I think it was back in one oh, a real, no. fairly early version of iOS that they said, you know, they changed the name of the app from uh, iPod because it used to you'd run the iPod app and when they introduced the phone that's how they you know that that's what it was it was you know it was a it was internet communicator a phone and an iPod and the app was called iPod and at some point mm-hmm. they changed the name of the app from iPod to music and at that point right. the iPod basically died I mean it was like you know the, the name iPod had no meaning yep. anymore you know you know, and and yep. you know, a lot of kids who who are using their phone today, you know, you don't don't even know or have any nostalgia for an iPod. It was this little window of when that was like the really really cool thing, right? But the the iPhone became such a juggernaut right. in sales that uh, that I don't think um, it'll be missed that much. But um, I. I always thought that By if the they way, had a device that was what? not as big as the iPad Mini, but but bigger than the the iPod that they'd had for the last few years, that would be like the perfect ideal handheld gaming device, and they would have sold a lot of those. You know, but but they would have had to price it right. Mm-hmm. It, it would have had to been you know a step cheaper than the cheapest iPhone, and I'm not sure the economics mm-hmm. make sense, and maybe that's why that never happened. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm not uh-huh. I'm not in that world. Uh, to me, to me, I just listen to most. Of, I do everything on my iPod, not my phone. At you know, iPad, you mean? I, I'm almost iPad. Yeah, I I'm almost thinking about not getting another iPhone except for one application, and that is navigation. Right. I want to I take my phone wherever I go, and in my car, yep. I need the navigator and a lot yep. of things. Hey, if they had an iPod so with a GPS that, in it, that, it would be perfect. You wouldn't have to pay a monthly fee for cell calls. Yeah. <laughs> Although you'd still have probably you'd pay for the cellular connection for your iPad, right? Because so, that, that has a cellular modem in it. And that way, you know, although, you know, your current modus of operation is like you're not traveling outside the house all that much, not like you might have at one point in your life. And so... Um, you know, maybe that cellular modem in the in your other device doesn't matter all that much to you. You're usually where there's Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah, you know, that's whether right. Whether it's there or at your, you um, know, at your church, there's Wi-Fi there, right? So. Yeah, the only place that I use my phone that I can think of right now 
is right. when I'm in a waiting room somewhere. You often, not I shouldn't say often, but at the car dealerships right. while it's being serviced, or I'm or I'm at a yeah. medical and, facility. And you can haul somewhere. your iPad there if you want, really wanted to, and sit and watch that and deal with that. Well, not not really. The VAs around here block uh-huh. them. There's no signal inside. Uh-huh. No signal at all. So, uh, you know, I mean, the, so the only place realistically that I could use it would yeah. be at the car dealership, you know? Yeah. Well, you do use uh-huh. you do use it um, your phone as a place to put lists because that's your shopping list and things like that. So, you know. Oh, so I do that. that. You're right. That other You're aspect right. of it. But I could always, I could always, I could always. Exactly. Print it out and, you know, there's not that much. Um, you know, you start looking at you going like, well, does that justify a high-end device? Um, uh, my older daughter, the older of my two daughters, bought a new phone this weekend. I think it's the first time she's bought a phone. She's always gotten hand-me-down phones from me, or we bought the phone specifically for her. And uh, I wasn't ready to upgrade mm-hmm. my phone. And uh, I've told my younger daughter that she gets this phone when I do upgrade. So, because uh, the older daughter got the last two. And so, uh, but she got the last two because the younger daughter had repeatedly either, you know, just damaged or, or broken her phone to the point where she had to, you know, get a, you know, a used phone or, or, or a phone from somebody. Right now she's running on a phone that was a couple years old of, of mine that's, you know, went back to the, uh, the touch ID button and stuff. Um, so... Uh, She's a little tougher on the phones. But anyway, she bought a new phone, and she was talking to me about what I thought was the best phone. And I said, you know, for the money right now, I would because the, the SE is got the latest electronics in it, but it's a Touch ID phone, and it's 450 bucks. But fr- from Apple, you can buy a brand-new yeah. iPhone 11 for 499 bucks, and, and that's with the minimum memory. If you want more memory, obviously, you have to pay a little bit more for that. But, um, but yeah. I, a lot that's more. true, but I mean, in this that's case, how they charge. Not, I mean, the dollars is, are not hugely significant. But at, at four ninety nine, the iPhone eleven gives you, you know, Face ID instead of Touch ID. It gives you the full screen phone, so you don't have the the, mm-hmm. the forehead and the chin on the phone that are not screen area. Um, you know, it's just it's a significant yeah. upgrade for basically fifty bucks. And uh, so I told her, I said, I thought that was the the sweet spot in the pricing right now because you go up to uh like seven hundred and fifty dollars to go to the an iphone 12 and then an iphone 13 goes up to close to a thousand so it's like at you know 500 bucks the the iphone 11 yeah. seemed to me to yeah. be the the uh the smart choice you know it, it's amazing looking back can you imagine uh back Ten years ago, if somebody said, "Would you spend a thousand dollars for a phone?" Oh, I know. <laughs> and you know, you're like, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, there's a uh, yeah. in in the uh, relaunch to Jumanji movie. There's one of these. There's a, you know, a scene where the characters who are teens from today that have been sucked into this game are talking about their phone, and there's a character inside the game who was a teen that got sucked in like 20 years ago. And and so the kid who's been in there twenty years ago hears them talking, and he goes, "Does phone mean the same thing?" Because you know, I don't understand what you're talking about. You guys keep talking about these phones, and it's like that doesn't sound like any phone I ever had. And and it's you know, and it's clearly no, they don't mean the same thing. 
you know, they don't at all. Uh, you know, so, um, Apple absolutely turned the world on its ear when it came out with the first um, Apple phone, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I was just reading an article that, the other day. I, I can't remember where it was, but that uh, basically said how our mm -hmm. environment changes us. And it, it talked about not just technology kinds of things, but just things like, for example, the the war on the other side of the world, you know, uh, and how it's, you know, like World War II, since we're, most people really think of war. I mean, there was the Vietnam thing, I guess, too. But, but this is, you know, real warfare and lots of people dying and all this kind of stuff, you know. And, and, uh, and of course, everybody would put the COVID yeah. deal in there as a big Apparently going to the grocery how it store is a war zone right? these days, too. Holy moly! Yeah, yeah, and and not and, and not just for that reason, because basically there's projected to be food shortage of a significant kind that will have some impact oh, even yeah. on first world countries, and third world countries are deep hurt unless somebody gets really yeah, serious. Yeah, no, about I think that it's not been covered in the news enough is how much the Ukraine has sort of been the breadbasket for a big chunk of Africa, um, and people aren't planting and yeah. and and you know, sowing seeds when they're being shot at. And so that's going to be... Well, and and, and, yeah. and with the fires and stuff that's been going on in this country and drought yeah. and wherever, you know, uh, it's a, it's affected harvests in, in lots yep. of bread baskets of the world, you know. So it's a serious deal. And it just, it that, that hasn't been built yet. But the guy's saying a year from now, yeah. you'll be talking about it. I mean, the only thing that's really made the news right now is baby right. formula, and that to me is that to me is ridiculous. Because if you're going to send a guy like Fauci out to tell the world about how how to deal with COVID, why hasn't somebody at the national level stood up and says, "Don't panic. We we did without powdered milk for hundreds and thousands of years, and back in you can go online and find the formulas for 50s and 60s but i don't know i think maybe the 70s and 80s the formulas just disappeared right somebody said no nah, we're not going to do it that way anymore everything's got to be something you buy from yeah. somebody well, and somebody's can and that, you know that can has you know been actually missing on store shelves for the last 6 to 9 months it's it's just hit the news suddenly um, you know, I heard several right. uh, podcasts of parents who have said, you know, this has been a problem now for, you know, creeping up on a year. And, you know, now it's hitting the news. But, you know, we've had trouble finding stuff. And apparently, you know, there, there's a virtual monopoly or, or, or a almost monopoly amongst three companies <laughs> that make like over 80 percent of the the, uh, uh, you know, the pow the powder in the entire country. But I have. But just saying it's a supply issue, there some, must be something critical supply in there somewhere. What are they putting in this yeah. stuff that's so critical? I don't quite understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what goes into you know, formula these days. You know, I mean, you think of it as, oh, it's basically powdered milk with some additional nutrients, right? That That's. Well, I, yeah, but I, I have a clue for it because I found a thing online that said, you know, for people with this condition and this condition and this, right. and there were about nine of them. It was a little, little circles inside of this box that identified different things that babies yeah. have to deal with, you know? And so there are sure. specialty kinds of things, but those aren't 
some of those aren't very right large uh, niches you know big yeah users you know but just the general formula my goodness but anyway i guess it's uh it started off a, a, a or at least increased the side business of women who want to sell yeah. breast milk yeah you know? the the la leche made, league made, folks made a, uh uh are uh yeah you know, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, they do it basically because of their belief in the in the, that's the healthier way to go. So it's not like they're out. I think that you know, it's not a money making making proposition right. for most women. But uh, by the same token, it's probably worth more now than it was before. <laughs> yep, prices are going up, right? Yeah. In demand. So. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's like you said, uh, it's not that hard to go and find a, uh, you know, do a little searching online. You know, you can search like what did parents feed babies before formula? Um, and you can, you know, like you said, I mean, there's been people going on for a long time. But the same thing is, um, you know, the uh, number of babies that, you know, died in infancy used to be significantly higher than it is now, too. So, um well, that's why they're labeling uh, the 50s and 60s recipes that are on there. Somebody stamps on them not safe. Uh, just about every one, the picture that I've seen, that, you know, from the yeah. past, somebody posts something and somebody will come in and put that yeah. not safe stamp, you know. And, you know, I, being one of those kids that grew up through that period, I'm saying, hey, I made it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the did, thing. You know? It's like, yeah, there, there's lots and lots of people who lived well before formula was a thing, but um, but there's also people who didn't make it because because it was, you know, we didn't have reasonable replacements, but, um, you know. Yeah. So, you know, but in, in the short term, in the short term, you know, whole milk is not that different than our milk. I mean, it's different, but. Yeah. Well, goat's milk is usually the next gopher in terms of, you know, what do you start with as ingredients, you know. But see, back when I was a kid, the primary ingredient was, for whatever reason, canned milk, carnation, you know. Carnation made made their whole business on baby milk milk, back in those days. Yeah. Right. But then they added carol syrup and other things, you know, to make mm-hmm. the home formulas. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's just the way it was. But back then, you didn't trust the dairy cows because they didn't have all the tests and shots and right. other stuff to contaminate right. your well, pure Well, and as you said, too, the, uh, milk. the makeup of cow's milk is got significantly more calcium and stuff because it's for baby cows. And, you know, they have different, they have different needs than baby people. And so the the goat's milk is closer to yeah. to uh, to human, yeah, yeah, so, human. Yeah, I mean, I feel for those people who have who have some young ones that that need food, and for whatever reason, they're not able to to breastfeed their babies because, um, you know, there's this child that you that you love yeah. and nurture and want to to help, and 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 now you're in a tight spot, so. Makes you wonder sometimes how we get got so whopper jawed that mm-hmm. all this stuff happens. I guess I, it all comes back to I guess saying supply chain, but that's too general, you know. It's got to be yeah. more specific than that. Yep. Because you see, I thought that all the ingredients for that had to be 
United States. We're not importing no, that crap no, we are. from somewhere we're, we're, else. We're absolutely right? importing Plus that crap companies? from somewhere else. Yeah, there. Um, apparently, oh, um, okay. most of it's in the United States. They they have to be the factory has to be certified by the FDA by their standards, and apparently there's a couple um, overseas uh, factories that are certified, and as a result, they're they're trying to import from those factories right now to fill some of the need. Like I know there's a I was just listening yesterday mm-hmm. to my uh, podcast, and they talked about a fairly large factory in Ireland that is one of several overseas factories that has been FDA approved. And in fact, that was one of the things that the um, the speaker was saying is that then the F you know if if our factory the if one of our major factories here is shut down because of some contamination issues, uh, obviously you put an emphasis on going through and, and fixing those problems there ASAP. But in the meantime, certify a few other foreign factories. You know, go over and look and see. And and he's saying you know I mean you might even want to consider adjusting the standards a little bit. He says our standards aren't the same as they are in Europe, and yet. People in Europe have been using that their formula for years, and the babies are fine. So maybe we should look at you know their standards and say, okay, maybe they don't meet ours exactly. But if you know European babies have been using it and and, and it's been working, then then we should maybe reconsider in order to help alleviate yeah. this. You know, because apparently right now, if you're a parent and you're you know say you go to to Canada or Mexico or something and come back with formula, uh, they will seize it at the border. Yeah. You know, is that right? It's not a U.S. Hmm. FDA-approved formula. You're not allowed to use it. The government won't let you do it. Well, I think I'll just abandon the Yeah, then you go, States. well, if I'm going to travel to Canada, <laughs> maybe I'll just go stay there for a while so yep. that I can feed my child. Uh, of course, there's lots and lots of people who don't, don't yeah. have any option to do that. You know, if you're a poor person living in Arkansas, it's not right. like you can just walk over to Canada to buy some, some formula or to Mexico. You know, it's... it's uh, right. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't own cars, you know. Um, so, anyhow, yeah. Well, what? you know, I mean, <laughs> United yeah, States hard to cars. believe. But there are people who, you know, some obviously live in cities and don't own cars by choice. But I mean, there's also people who who can't afford a car, um, you know. Or their yeah. option was, we live out of the car because we can't afford a house and a car. So, you know, I mean, there's people out there with who, who are really struggling yeah. and and these ridiculous increases in prices of stuff and then shortages of, of you know, a critical food stuff that you need for your child uh, puts people in bad spot. So, but this is not yeah. what's wrong with the world today dot com. It is Generation Tech. So um, uh, you had an article mm-hmm. about a company that is a self-driving truck company that is looking to solve uh, some of the supply chain issues uh, by, by... Well, yeah. the, reason, the reason I uh, I thought it was interesting is that the guy realizes that uh, uh, the, the, the self-driving truck issue is simplified a whole lot if you just restrict its use right. to freeways, long-haul stuff, you know? And... Uh, and so he structured his company that way. He has drivers. It's when you get the thing gets to the city that they, they come into some parking lot somewhere, and, and the driver gets in, and he's in charge now until the thing is sent out on the road with a new load of stuff that that's got uh, yeah got to go a long way. And and so that's really smart way of thinking because I it, it just if, if you were going to try to solve every problem with this uh, autonomous 
driving thing and and reach uh, uh, right yeah any use of it uh, in a reasonable reasonable time you've got yeah. to eliminate well, the problem the country areas. has roughly eighty thousand open truck driving positions um, and you're right you know I mean that that long haul yeah. piece where somebody and in fact you know our our current transportation laws force drivers to as a, at, you know and and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to you know stop and rest every so certain number of hours and so you know you could have a truckload of stuff that's basically just sitting at a at a truck stop while the truck driver takes their required you know rest period uh an autonomous vehicle will well, go from point that, a to point b without having to take any rest periods and then and then the drivers are just you know delivering it from the warehouse to places inside each town and, and that's virtually true of every yeah. trucking company out there on the road their their, tru- their trucks are sitting yeah. parked most of the time maybe yeah. even two-thirds of the time yeah you know yeah, well, it's so, funny because, you know, it reminds me of some of the conversations we had had in the past about, um, you know, computers uh, managing, you know, things that, that, that for, for pilots, you know, in, in battle situations because they can take they can make reactions quicker and keep a plane that's inherently unstable in the air. Um, and they can, you know, mm-hmm. do things that don't have to rely on the frailty of protecting a human body if you go to a drone and this is essentially a driving drone, right? And it's the same thing. It's now the, the limitations of the yeah. human body that yeah. require that, you know, sleep and food and bathroom breaks go away. And that'll, that opens up opportunities. Yeah. Now, one of the, the thoughts that I had is when technology changes, it seems like somebody needs to step in and at least think about and question uh, the safety issues here. And since the company is making their point that they're going to drive these things 24 yeah. 24/7 you know yeah. is when they're going to be on the road the government might come in and say well we want to chop out at least the uh, uh, time when there's a lot of, uh, right. of cars on the road and to make it safer uh, you guys just shut down and don't work in those hours you still yeah. got a lot there's of hours a certain to level of, of traffic but, density but, in any given area then you pull over and wait yeah yeah uh, and you know, uh, I don't I don't know if that'll happen yeah. or how you manage it. It might be difficult. But they're also this particular company uh, also in the article talked about bad weather because they truck truck companies mm-hmm. that drive across the north part of the country in the winter time uh, clearly have days that you can't right. can't go right. down those freeways. It'd be it'd be less safe than driving it through a city right. because the truck's going to crash. Well, know? and I worry too or about like this whatever. big giant truck that weighs tons going down the road, and then say a driver of a car is the one who makes the error and and moves over like into the truck. Well, what happens if the truck now has a car stuck underneath of it? How does that an autonomous vehicle know that? Hey, wait a minute. You know, there's something not right. I've got a higher amount of drag now because I'm I'm now dragging a vehicle that's pinned underneath the the trailer that I'm pulling. And you know, there's just a lot of because because you know that the the truck is going to have all yeah. kind of autonomous sensors on it, but the trailers are not going to be any different than the trailers they're towing now. You know. Yeah, yeah. But cameras and stuff could could feasibly yeah. detect yeah. something like that in happening. Unless they rear end you, you know, in which case you're you're not going to run over them. You're right. going to be yeah. running, trying I, to run away. Yeah, from I just them, yeah. I think <laughs> I have concerns about the safety of the vehicles around these autonomous vehicles on 
especially on on yeah. busy streets, you know. I mean, I would feel much more comfortable if we had yeah. designated self-driving lanes or something, sort of like out here we have fast-track lanes that you can pay extra money to go in. They're supposed to get you around areas of, of known traffic backup at certain times of day. And they generally work, but not always. Sometimes they're backed yeah. up, too. And, you know, you're paying a premium to be there, and you're not really moving any faster than anybody else. Um, you know, and, and and feasibly, since they're going more hours a day, you could say that uh, they could be limited to not changing lanes. Yeah. Stay in the exactly. right lane, and that's it, you know? You know, there's... I mean, I don't know how it oh. is in in North Carolina. Here, they're allowed, like, in a multi-lane freeway, they can have the uh, the two slowest lanes, the two two lanes to the uh, outside of the freeway, on the, in the direction you're driving, the two right lanes. Uh, and they're not supposed to go into the third yeah. or fourth lane, even if there are third or fourth lanes, unless they're doing it to, uh, you know, as, as a safety thing. They, they But they're not allowed to continue driving there. They have to move back into their lanes. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I can see that the, there needs to be some universal law laws uh, thought about and probably passed to mm-hmm. deal with some of these situations before we are yeah. overwhelmed. It's like with turning problems, right on you know? red, you know. I mean, I remember when that you know was a th- wasn't universal from state to state, and pretty much is now, as far as I know. Um, but you yeah. know, initially that was not universal, and so you, if you were traveled from one state to the next, you had to kind of like say, hey, you know, am I allowed to do that here? Because I do it, I do it back home. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but they, yeah, they need something kind of universal like that to say, you know, these autonomous vehicles are only allowed to travel in in this lane, and and you know, it's some standard, you know, like each state has its own Department of Motor Vehicles that sort of sets what the rules are. That because those vehicles are designed for interstate travel, they really do need to have some federal level uh, rules. You know, and and yeah. I think because they would yeah. be traveling on the interstate system in a large number of cases, you know, there's the opportunity for the federal government to come step up and say something about that as far as what the driving rules are on these on these uh, roadways. Yeah, but those kinds of rules, though, never get to be the kinds of things that people want to talk about in public. That doesn't that doesn't doesn't have any mm-hmm. political aspects until mm-hmm. somebody gets run over by one of these things, and then suddenly, then suddenly it's an emergency. It, that's a problem with uh, trying to deal with yeah with this kind yeah, of absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, it's um, you know, it's all honey and roses until somebody gets hurt, right? Yep. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know you've been kind of looking thing? at and thinking about monitors, so it didn't surprise me to see that you had found an article that talked about um, monitors and specifically monitors. Uh, this talks yeah. about Thunderbolt monitors that are kind of Mac oriented and how they're different than USB-C monitors. So why don't you give us a little rundown on what you what you learned here? Well, basically, uh, right. it's, a, it's a bandwidth deal. Uh, and I, I can see for companies and people that use big displays, especially if they need more than one monitor, uh, clearly the Thunderbolt monitors are the, right. the, the winners because of the bandwidth. And, uh, you know, that that's uh, 
That's mm-hmm. that's the main main difference between USB-C and the others. But it's also the difference in price. You know, we're talking about, you know, between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars uh, with the latest Apple right. uh, monitor being right. right up there at the well, top. They uh, their and, their uh, whole pitch has been for quite a while that you know that, that it should be a retina display, which means a pixel density of what is it like two hundred and sixty three pixels per inch on the screen or more, which you know yeah. which which says if well, like you're a four K monitor, right. you can't go more than about twenty four inches because if you do, then it's not retina display. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. It it's tied uh, directly to what. I think it's probably a five k, five or six k monitor, though. Right. Top end. Well, that's uh, why you know Apple um, more recently uh, introduced studio display. It's twenty seven inches, uh, but it was a five k because four k is not enough p- dots to yeah. be Retina, and the Pro K or the Pro Display XDR uh, is six k because it's you know in order to get the density yeah. pixel density that that Apple requires. Uh, you know, on their systems, and and Windows monitors just don't do yeah. that. They just yeah. you know they go you know 4K. That's you know that's what most people use. But but for the average home user, it, you know, you're just not going to typically go out and want to yeah. spend that much on your monitor. Now the interesting thing is, is the only USB display that's really in I mean uh, discussed at all in that article has to is the that Panasonic one that that we had talked about a little bit uh, the last time, I think. Panasonic. We talked we about were, a uh, Samsung one. Uh, and... Excuse okay. me. You're right, Samsung. I'm I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a mistake. I yeah. I mix up companies sometimes. But it's what was it called? The M8, a, I think. Something. Yeah. Eight. M8. Yeah. And so the, they briefly go down after they've been talking about all these Thunderbolt monitors and their performance characteristics and why they're so wonderful and. They kind of stacked them up in terms yeah. of value and all that. So it, it was a kind of a review of where we uh-huh. are with Thunderbolt monitors now. Yeah. Well, and, they've got this BenQ monitor that, but the, that, but then, that looks like a nice monitor. It's actually got a fairly nice uh, industrial design, but it's 4K mm-hmm. and 32 inches, which means that by Apple's standards, it is not a retina display. Doesn't mean that you and I wouldn't sit in front of it and think it looks yeah. beautiful. I mean, I'm sitting in front of a 40-inch monitor that's 4K. It's clearly not Retina by Apple standards, and I think it looks great. I'm perfectly happy with this. Yeah. So, so anyway, that BenQ mm-hmm. just for price purposes, yeah. is $1,200 monitor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So not not a cheapy one. <laughs> that's the beginning one because that's right and uh, but for a hundred dollars more you can go on to the right. next monitor which is ultra LG. fine which a lot of apple people uh, have poo-pooed over time saying that it's it's actually fairly poorly yeah. constructed kind of cheap cheap casing for a very expensive monitor but but again but yeah but again it's uh-huh. a 4k yeah. 32 inch roughly uh, so uh then there's a uh one that's a little smaller 27 inch but right. ultra fine display uh, so that you get yeah. a little bit this, more. Yeah, this is a five K, twenty seven inches. So this is the first one that we've talked about that is actually uh, yeah. uh, what Apple would consider a Retina display. And in fact, prior to Apple yeah. coming out with their own twenty seven inch five uh, K monitor, 
this is what Apple recommended people buy, and this is what was available in the Apple Store. Right. Uh, anyway, that's uh, – th- then they even go down and talk about a 24-inch yeah. monitor, well, too. Well, that one's at, at $700. So. You know what I find a little funny is I remember, uh, you know, I remember early days of computing, and a 24-inch monitor at that time was just incredibly hard to even conceive of how big that was, you know. And now we look at it and go like, well, that's sort of the yeah. bottom end of what I would find <laughs> acceptable, you know. <laughs> it's 24 inches. Yeah. Well, that's right. that's pretty tiny. And 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 the fact is, is that they all basically have about the same desktop space requirement. I mean, unless yeah. you got something tall on your desk, you know. That can bump into it, but but the but the stand is still fundamentally, uh-huh. you know, the same yeah. sort of. So anyway, then they finally get down yeah, to the, the Apple the Studio Display Pro that is was the just most announced. recent one. Yeah, that's a sixteen hundred dollars, depending yeah. on your um, stand preferences. You know. Yeah. And and then just for comparison, the compelling 32-inch USB-C yeah. budget option. <laughs> yeah, a budget Apple option. Pro Display XDR is just it's that that's not for you and me. That was never designed for the average person. That was designed for professionals who do no. um, fine fine color work and need to see colors in absolutely true. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, it is, yeah. it is what it says. It is at a pro display. Um, I think they probably sold a bunch of them to people who went and bought Mac pros just, just because that was the only option from Apple. And I suspect mm-hmm. going forward, there'll be a fair number of people. Cause if you're a professional, you know, if you're a, uh, that feels like you need the computing power of a Mac pro, but say you are a musician or a programmer, the Pro Display XDR made no sense at all for you. It was just, a, you know, if you do video right, work right. or photo work that you need really true color rendition, then that was the right monitor. But uh, but there are a lot of, air quotes here, pro users who use it professionally but differently than that and don't care about that monitor. And so now they've got a fair number of options here. Well, yep. Well, and to be honest with you, the average person, eyesight, if you saw one of these really top-end pros and, and even that USB sitting side-by-side, side, there is a fair chance that a lot of people won't be able to tell yeah, one I, from another I, one. I suspect, I suspect if they're sitting side-by-side, side, you have. A, I, I think that you could probably pick out one from the other, but if you, if you saw them just independently, yeah. you know, like if they, were in front, in different, if they weren't sitting next to each other, say they were in different rooms, and you walked and looked at one, then you went locked and looked at another, yeah. so that they're literally you can't do a, a right side by side comparison. Would you care? Yeah, you know, right. Most people not. No, see, see, you'd look at it and you'd say, "What? That one's twice yeah. the price, right?" And yeah. What? And I can't yeah. tell the difference. Well, that that right. M8 monitor say. that we were talking about, <laughs> that Samsung M8, you know, it's 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 seven hundred dollars, yeah. and it's uh, roughly the same size as the six thousand dollar. Uh, computer or monitor uh, from Apple, but you know it's 4K instead of 6K. Well, I mean that's a 50% increase in dots. Does that would you would you you know yeah. that that might yeah. be significant, but it's not significant enough to justify the difference between a $700 and a $6,000 monitor. 
you know, for, for most people. Well, you see, <laughs> you, you see, you could you could still be playing with 600 K in a zoom mode. You know, you can zoom in to yeah. see stuff. So there's, there's other ways to get close to something, but still have this right the important pixels there. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, and I'm certain too, that that monitor so, $700 does not have the, the, uh, the brightness and the color uh, uh, accuracy that the $6,000 monitor has. But again, there's a fairly narrow number of use yeah. cases where that's important. For the rest of the world, it's like that's just throwing money away. You know, so. Yep. You know me. And, and well, and caveat well, from my opinion on all this, I, as I said, I'm watching on a 40-inch television set that I've plugged in and running that I'm running 4K HDR on. So I have a 4K HDR monitor in front of me mm-hmm. that is 40 inches roughly diagonal and everything looks sharp and wonderful as far as I'm concerned. So I'm happy with what I've got. There are some people who would look at what I've got and be appalled, and, I'm sure. And and by far the I would be, I would guess for people who have home standalone monitors well they probably don't even have 32 bit they probably have something like 27 yeah 20, 24 and whatever. 27 are the and, average and, sizes and just go buy a monitor and, and, and they're 10 24 yeah uh monitors yeah you know they're well, honestly 4K. i'm replacing this uh, th- this 4k mo- uh tv that i'm using right now replaced two side-by-side uh 1080p 27 inch monitors and I was perfectly happy with those, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought about the idea of a the 4K and b uh, going you know the the aspect ratio because two side by side monitors obviously you have the they're two monitors so there's a break in the middle and and it's very wide but not very yep. vertical and so I went I went to this and I've I've been perfectly happy. Yeah. Now when you talk about uh, vertical versus horizontal i do think it's nice that some of these you can right. understand rotate it to really get the the mm-hmm. the true landscape and the yeah. true portrait uh, there was a time when i was working with, uh, uh in the newspapers where there were a fair number of people who had their uh, monitors turned vertical because that fits the aspect ratio of a newspaper yeah. page and so that was the the preferred yeah. working format um you know, so that's been around for a while, yep. and it, you're right; it absolutely makes sense for some people. I've even seen somebody who had two monitors side by side, but the two monitors were both oriented vertically, so that you got almost a square oh. works workspace. You know, yeah. and that makes some sense to me as well too. It just you know, kind of depends on your use case. You know, I mean, it's like justifying the six thousand dollar, you know, um, uh, pro monitor is you're, if you've got a use case yep. that requires it, then it makes sense, but the problem is, I guess, you know, when App- when that was the only monitor Apple offered, you know, Apple-branded monitor, that didn't make sense <laughs> for everybody, you know. But, uh, you yeah. know, I, I honestly, I thought when they came out with yeah. a regular monitor that, that, you know, Joe, you know, Apple computer person who wants everything branded Apple in front of them would buy, I figured it was going to be a $2,000 monitor. So when they had, came out with a, you know, essentially what's a $1,600, I think it's 1599 uh, base price. Um, I thought that yeah. was actually a bargain in, in the Apple world. I'm sure there's a lot of PC people who are looking at me shaking their heads going, you're crazy. But 
but uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't own one. Again, I own a several hundred dollar 4K television set that works fine for me. So, you know, and I and I have no yeah. inclination yeah. to go invest sixteen hundred dollars in an Apple monitor. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. If you were to ask me what might you marry a smart speaker with next, I the last thing I ever would have thought was a light yeah. Bulb. It's it's it seemed like an <laughs> odd choice, didn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah, I looked at that and I said, "Well, holy cow, it, it's even kind I of." I agree. Light bulb. That was my but first anyway, thought. Is uh, that thing looks more like uh, <laughs> Wally from the Disney movie, uh, you know, than it does a a lamp, but. Uh, but it's kind of an ugly yeah. lamp in my book, but, well, it, you know. Well, it, right. it's, it's from Ikea, and so that says You know, all. surprisingly, they've company, done right? some interesting things, though. They actually have some HomeKit-compatible smart shades, too. So they've they've been dipping their toe in the whole HomeKit uh, thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to do to stay in business. you got to know if there's something that gets to be a hit out there. You yeah. want it on your shelf yeah. first, well, right? Well, and... You know, they, that's their thing is sort of this this modern type of uh, affordable modern design, right? It's kind of what they, their look is. So, um, so yeah, this, yeah. this uh, what is it, Symphonisk is how, what they call it, the Symphonisk speaker? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was something yeah. like that. I well, I'm looking at the right the now, first but... paragraph here. And it says it was developed in collaboration with Sonos, and the Sonos people know how to make some good sound yeah. speakers, so I suspect it sounds pretty good. Right. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it has, uh, as they pointed out, a look like a, a HomePod from Apple, except the, the surface is not at all yeah. like the HomePod. It doesn't, it's just in terms of its dimensions and right. And sort of well, the, the, the cloth lump, that they wrap or something the, the base in looks more uh, a little bit more rustic, a little rougher than the HomePod did, and and then the little right, glowing right. top lamp part. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell in this picture if that's just the color that they chose for the picture, or if that's the color it is because it's kind of a dark brownish color. Uh, the the lamp the lamp top yeah, with yeah. a bulb inside. Well, and. And, and it looks like there's a diffuser inside of that because it's got this bulb that's yeah. either enormous <laughs> or or it's got some other thing that yeah I don't yeah know what, and, you know I mean, it's, if that, it's like but... most smart bulbs then you can not only um, you know increase or decrease the brightness but you can change the color temperature and or the well see here I find another picture and the top looks more silver than that so I think it's probably uh, you could adjust the color as well so yeah. And, and that sort of central bulb now looks like it fills right. out more so it of the shape. Right, depends on how the bright you shape. got it cranked up, uh, probably. Uh, so, yeah, there is a knob uh -huh. on that top when it looks yeah. like. Yeah, does that uh, dim it, or does that, that does, change the volume, or both, depending on when it's pushed in or pulled out? Or you know, there's a lot of questions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we just got a couple right. of pictures and not a lot of words even. Whole yeah. thing, but it was just interesting. Well, it's going to be uh, available for $179 and will begin shipping in August of this year. So, uh, you know, um, go on over to your IKEA yeah, give store it a list and see and what see it looks like. Yeah. Although, you know, my experience in IKEA stores is they're not particularly acoustic friendly, <laughs> they're big warehouses. So, so you may not know sound wise <laughs> what you think there. 
but uh, but I'm sure as soon as they're available in yeah. shipping, there'll be some reviews out talking about the quality of the sound and stuff. But like I said, if Sonos was involved with it, then the sound is probably going to be relatively good. Um, you know, I'm interested. I, I mean, it, it, I'm curious as to what it would uh, sound like. It's It's an interesting take, though. You're right, because it's like we've seen smart speakers. You know, in fact, the Amazon one has built smart stuff into... Uh, I've seen a commercial recently for a Buick that's got Amazon in it and uh, refrigerators and uh, and uh, thermostats and things like that mm-hmm. that have the their their digital assistant built into it, um, you know, and right. and uh, I've, I have not really seen it like built into a lamp. But you think about it, you know, if you want these things to be sort of throughout your house so that you can talk to them and get information. Why stand independent little tubes? What are things that you do have around your house? Well, you set some lamps around your house, right? Most people do. Um, so I kind of get it. Yeah, well, the other thing about it is, is it's just another way to get a microphone in so that somebody can yeah. listen to what you're saying. I, I, I read an article while I was looking at some of these articles that basically says somebody uh, out there, uh, and I I yeah. kind of think it was Amazon that uh, that is take. They have a technology for taking apart very subtle background noise kinds of things that come across, like you know, we're recording right now and we've got microphones here, and if uh, something's going on in the next room, that it can actually pick up those sounds and filter those out. Oh yeah, and amplify them and and find out what's. You know, somebody's secrets are just yeah, next door have, to one have, of the talkers, uh, you know? You know, basically signed away your the privacy of your space. And and what people don't realize is very often when you put it on mute, it's not really muted. All it is is it's, it's muting itself from responding to you. That doesn't mean that the microphone itself has been shut off. And and so they're using That's right. all kinds of, of recordings of stuff going on in a house in order to to advance their AI, and and that's a little creepy. Um, and and quite honestly, yeah, you know, I yeah. removed all Apple, or I'm sorry, all Amazon uh, Alexa devices from my house because a- Amazon, I felt, had crossed a line and gotten too creepy uh, when they were starting to share my Wi-Fi with neighbors in order to make sure that the neighbors still had a connection if their Wi-Fi had gone down. And... and yeah, we're, we're, we're actually referring now to another right. article that I had passed to you t- titled Muting Your Mic Reportedly Doesn't Stop Big Tech right. from Recording Your Audio. And so that's... Yeah, well, the two kind of go together. Make, make that point. And so, you know, to me, that was yeah. really creepy. So I removed all Amazon, uh, you know, Alexa-enabled invi- devices from my house. Um, the, I, but that said, I have one Google device... And I'm sure that where it sits, it probably listens to all kinds of stuff going on in the house. And I've decided I would go ahead and trust the Apple devices. And so I've got several Apple smart devices, which I use to do things like turn on lights and fans and things like that. Locked doors. Uh, yeah. Yep. So uh, anyway, their, their solution in here was that you must have two sources that you uh, can can turn off the audio, not just the the source switch, you know, like where it comes into your computer or uh, your headset itself or something like that, but also a system level Mm -hmm. uh, shutoff 
for yeah. all audio that's in the device. And yeah, that's, well, that's like right now important. when we're talking, that I have a, a broadcasting headset that I'm using. So I've got a boom mic in front of my face and headphones on. And those don't run into my audio panel. They run into a, a mechanical mute switch. And then they run into my panel. And so mm-hmm. if I hit my mute switch, I have physically removed connection between my microphone and the computer. And that's intentional. I set it up that mm-hmm. way. But it's also handy if I need to, like, yawn or cough or sneeze or whatever. So, you know, that's what they yep. use it for. I mean, you know, in a broadcasting setup. Not everybody has that. But, see, I can cut myself off like that if I want to. Right. And it's it's a physical disconnect. But, you know, what do you do when with the mics that we're all carrying around on our phones? You know, I, I find it a little funny that people get paranoid about yeah. their their um you know having a device plugged in in their house and yet they they have ipads and iphones sitting all around them who that are connected and with microphones on all the time you know yeah you know it's like uh i all you have all you have to do is say the magic word absolutely and And you can say you know right i mean it's (laughs) i remember uh a, a while back you had uh you know had unplugged your home pods and they were sitting in your office instead of out in your living room. And, and, you know, my mom, your wife went off on, she was, they made her uncomfortable. And I'm like, you realize that the exact same technology is on your watch and on your phone and on your iPad, all three of which are within two feet of you. And they're listening all the time too. And it's the exact same technology. So why do you, I mean, I think you pick a company and say, that's the one I trust and that's what I'm going to do. And it doesn't matter which device. And I think those, you know, the the home kit or the home pod devices are handy. You know, they work well for certain things, you know, and whether it's Google or, or uh, Amazon or Apple, you know, pick. Just don't tell, just don't tell a worrier, somebody who worries about things all the time anyway. About this thing Yeah, it's like, okay, so you shut off that mic. <laughs> you unplugged it and you sat it in another room. But there's like four battery-powered mics, mics that you intentionally recharge and use all day long every day that are right there. You know, it makes no sense at all. But but they're not aware of those mics because they don't look like the thing that, that somehow they've decided is the bad listener, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, That's right. it's literally makes no sense. None at all. You know, but yeah. don't don't argue logic with somebody who's making an emotional decision. You know, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. That's right. So. Anyway, I uh, made a note that Google had their big seance here yeah, a week yeah, ago. They, I guess they, it was. Uh, Talked about a, a watch and an updated set of earbuds and uh, and some some more stuff. So. Uh, they call her Sam's yeah, I.O. Yeah, input out right? Um, In fact, when I went through the article, I got sidetracked because there was a button that I found that said, in the Google uh, graveyard yeah. somewhere, and I said, gee, I'm just curious, what, what has gone past me? You know, maybe, you know, half a dozen items. Man, this thing scrolled pages of stuff that Google has run through their uh, idea factory and tried right. some of them only a month or two, but they actually introduced products yeah. and canceled yeah. it within a month. 
I yeah, mean, they they have they have a stunning but track record of of abandoning ideas and technology. Yeah, as a company, as if, yeah. you know, if yeah. I were a fan of the company, and in some ways I think they do some interesting things, I would be very cautious about getting too involved in any of their technologies, any of their services, or any of their devices, because I've never seen a company that'll walk away from something so quickly. Yeah, yeah. In fact, why don't they put the filter before it goes out the door? Before they make all that investment in any yeah. announcement and all of that. Because there's, you know, there has to be a front end yeah. cost to yeah, selling Yeah, they seem anything. to be the throw the spaghetti yeah. against the wall and see what sticks type of company, but uh, but they do it in an incredibly inefficient way. You know, I mean, I think yeah. every company does R and D. Most companies, somewhere in the process of the of the R, <laughs> is they they go, okay, this doesn't make sense. Stop it here. Not Google. They just go ahead and make it and says, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes they have something that's relatively <laughs> successful, and they go, "Yeah, but this doesn't fit our vision right now, so we'll just kill it." You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I was I was stunned. So. I, I just didn't expect yeah. so they, that. Kind they of announced thing. the the Pixel Six, which is you know the the next version of the Pixel uh, phone. I think it's interesting that it will be running an in-house designed processor, the Google Tensor processor. Uh, you know, which says that they're following Apple's lead mm-hmm. and saying maybe we need to control this from from nuts to bolts if we really want to be yeah, competitive. It, um, it really well, looked and, copycat to me. I mean, I hadn't followed well, and, Google in years. I, you know, yeah, like you do, I, I, I kind of followed Google, and I think I shared that. You know, when the uh, I think it was the Pixel Three that I had. Um, you know, I used an, a, a Pixel, and I wanted I wanted to use Android, and I wanted to use uh, native Android. You know, no, nobody's different stuff on top of it because if you get a samsung machine you're really running their version of android and so i got a google pixel and for a month yeah. i used it and it was fine um mostly I, I the thing that i it was irritated about was the keyboard didn't work as well uh and and it took me a little while to adapt to the the way the keyboard recognizes when you're typing on a screen which i thought was a weird thing to be wonky but it was the thing i noticed the most um you know they make perfectly fine stuff, but let's mm-hmm. face it, they they what they sell over the run of their entire Pixel Six, you know, Apple sells in a weekend, and so they're not thus far have not been a threat to to you know take over any of the Android market, much less a threat to to people outside the Android market, you know, the Apple Watch uh, or Apple fo- uh, phones rather. Yeah. Uh, they did introduce the Pixel Watch, which is interesting. This is something that apparently had been rumored for quite a long time. Um, and you know what? It looks like Apple's would. It looks like what a watch would look like if Apple designed a round watch instead of a square watch or a rectangular watch. Because it looks, it looks like a lozenge. Yeah. It looks like a butterscotch, yeah. basically. You know. Um, yep. So we'll see how it uh, how it sells and what it does. Um, then it, they also talked about the Pixel 6a, the uh, Apple's or sorry Google's um, nomenclature is if they put an A after something, then that's their their discounted version of a current phone, usually with some cheaper materials but the same hardware, uh, and it usually comes out about six months uh-huh. off after the the you know, leading phone comes out. It's like they introduce the Pixel 6, and then a few months later they'll come out with the 6A, which is cheaper, um, you know, but it's it's designed to be cheaper, you know. 
and so um but they you know usually this this the a models are are quality things they're just you know it's not the latest and greatest because it comes out you know six months behind the the big phone kind of like apple's se right you know um although i would argue that i think that the build quality on the apple se is probably better than the pixel or the pixel a series phones uh but you know that that changes from from one to the next too you know when i had the three series i had a 3a um and it was fine you know it's not like it fell apart on me or anything it was a great you know great phone for what it was you know and at the end of the month i resold it for you know just a slight markdown from new and uh so you know it didn't cost me that much to use it for a month so and and the person who had it used it for a couple years yep. until the screen Actually, I think this, they said they had, they cracked the screen and then they were out on a, a, a fishing thing, and, you know, like off, and they would like charter the boats to do the offshore fishing, saltwater fishing, and the phone decided to check out what the bottom of the ocean looks like, and so so thus became a chance to buy a new phone. So you know, <laughs> as as would happen when people work on boats a lot, phones sometimes slip out of hands. So. They've got updated yep. Pixel Buds Pro. Um, you know, again, not a big surprise. You know, if they have time to update things to come along. I mean, the rumors are that Apple will be updating some of their headphones this year as well. I'm kind of hoping that Apple's headphones come out with the um, the use for the ultra-wide um, bandwidth so we get higher, higher um, quality sound and maybe a better, more reliable and easier to manage connection than Bluetooth. We'll see. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they use the yep. ultra wide band. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see you know that come about pretty uh-huh. quick, but I don't know if it will. Seems like they're getting most of the stuff in uh, together, you know, in, in a lot of their devices. Yeah, that I agree. I think they've been network. putting that ultra wide band chip in a lot of stuff without really talking about what their plans are. You know, they've been giving us some sort of, oh, yeah, you can help find things more specifically and things like that. But that's just smokescreen to what they really want to do with it, which is use it as a backbone for communication for a personal a personal area network is what I that's, call it. You know, that, that, it's, it's devices on you will communicate yeah. with each other better. Now, you know, I'm sure that Google does the same thing, too, that they put things that they don't sure. tell you about in their sure. products just to test them. You know, I mean, it's just yeah, a normal thing to a do lot of sense. for a company. But, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, it looks looks to me like there's just a whole lot of similarity between them and Apple, except that they're uh, lagging in some places, but I understand leading in others. You know, I mean, they always have uh, products that they uh, get out there first, and yeah. Apple copies them. Yeah, so. it'll be interesting to see, because they, they also um, started talking about a push to uh, go back sort of more wholeheartedly into tablets. And thus far, there really has been no competition with with Amazon or with uh, Apple at all in the tablet space other than Amazon. Amazon sells very inexpensive tablets. Um, you know, but they're mm-hmm. Well, they're supporting them with the Android. That's the only connection there with tablets is the uh, Android people are charged yeah, with making their yeah, stuff. Yeah, but work I mean up there. to this point there's not been much of a push from Google on the Android side as to a 
a tablet version of the operating system. So a lot of the stuff that was written for um, for Androids designed for phones and, and is not necessarily works well on, yeah. on, on tablets. And that's where Amazon has done, you know, because they, they have their own sort of fork of Android that they use for their Fire devices and, and their own store, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, when you buy an Amazon tablet, the apps that are there that are, for, are written for the tablet are actually written for their tablets and seem to work relatively well. But that's really the only ecosystem outside of iPads that seems to have had any stickiness at all. But it looks like Google's going to try it again. It's not their first time. We'll see. Like a lot of things, they do things and then, you know, shift gears pretty quickly. So we'll see if, if after they actually release this tablet, there's going to be any push to create uh, incentives for developers to make true tablet apps. Yeah, but the, the true hardware people at Apple, it says here in this Rick Ostrich message, hey, it's true. Google's hardware team will be solely focused on building laptops moving forward. But make most, no mistake, Android and Chrome OS 2 teams are 100% committed for the long run on working with our partners on tablets mm-hmm. in all segments of the market. And I have no doubt so, they believe that right up until uh, they change their mind, you know, six weeks from now. So, <laughs> you know, we're 100% yep, committed yep. right up so, until people know, up top say we're not putting any more money yeah. into this. But the software guys are always in there pushing, to, Let's, yeah. let me put this on everything, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I would I think that it's a good idea to have a competitive in, environment and and so uh, I actually like the uh the iPad an awful lot and it's my you know, when I'm broadcasting, I use the PC, I use the Mac, rather, you know, the, the, the actual computer computer. Um, and like everybody, I use my phone when I'm out and about. But when I'm just doing most stuff, I really do, like you, I've kind of used the tablet primarily. It's it's my, uh, I, ha- I have a 13-inch MacBook mm-hmm. Pro that's an excellent computer. I won't ever replace that with another Mac, probably. You know, I might get a new Mac for my office, my desktop computer. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would go so far as to say I will. I will get an M1 Mac to replace my desktop computer at some point. You know, when that actually happens is, you know, not decided. But I will do that. But the, um, you know, so yep. it will probably be like a Mac Mini or maybe a, a Studio Mac if, if there's a reason to, you know, justify that expense. But... I am much more likely to upgrade to a better, more powerful iPad going forward. Yeah, but I would like my, you know, to tell you, we talked about displays earlier. To tell you my long-range plan is I want something that will work well with the iPad. So that when, you know, the iPad needs to be small enough so that I can hold it in my lap. And I I get the biggest iPad, which is 12-inch. You know, the pro and that's just that's and that's for the screen i just i got you know i can't read right things that are smaller than that however of course i of course what you realize if you watch me using it a lot of times is just about every page that i'm on right it's expanded gets zoomed because it's so easy mm-hmm. to pinch it and all that you know and expand it with my fingers so that's the lovely feature the touch screen expansion and whatever is right. that i need in order to see so uh, I I would like to just maybe have a, a monitor that does nothing but just respond to my my uh-huh. iPad just and it. just give me a uh, uh, 
mirror, yeah, mirror the iPad yeah. in a, and that's in a doable, big screen. But those are out there. You know? You know, um, I mean, you know, your yeah. iPad is not the latest one, as neither is mine. But the, the, the newer ones, uh, you know, you can actually take video off of the, the Thunderbolt connector at the bottom, the USB-C Thunderbolt connector, and drive that directly into a monitor, mm-hmm. and it'll mirror exactly what's on your by, screen. By the way, I, I, I've been thinking about getting a 4K Apple oh, TV. Right. I don't have one of those yet, just, just so that I can get yeah. a 4K monitor, you know? And aside from paying for the Apple TV, I get the cheapest 4K monitor I can because Apple's going to take care of getting it on the screen and yeah. and making it work with yeah, my and iPad. You don't even have, I mean, then it's you know you, you know? use AirPlay too, and it's it's you know you, you don't even have wires connecting it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do that. That's right. I've done that. You know. So uh, that's okay. that's kind of where I'm headed. I I did see some advantages. Uh, to that little M1, who, who the, builds it? Oh, the M8, <laughs> the Samsung monitor? Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, the M8 Samsung, in the sense that there were things that it ran directly. Now, I don't know if I could run those from my uh, uh-huh. keyboard on my iPad or not. If you if you attach, excuse me, if you attach the 4K Apple TV to that monitor and use that to drive the monitor and then... Uh, air airplayed to the Apple TV, then your iPad would be mirrored on that monitor, and you could, you know, use a keyboard with your iPad, or you could do it all via touch. Um, you know, it literally just mirrors. It just mirrors it, and mm-hmm. you know, I've done th- I've done that um, with uh, no. the, our TV in the living room, and set my iPad below it so that the iPad camera is what we use for FaceTime, and then had everything up on top of the screen there, and had I know. We've had trouble I, doing that I, with I you, but I've uh, on my end, I've done it repeatedly without any issues. So, I, I didn't want to restrict myself totally uh-huh. to mirroring, though. I wanted to use the functions that are useful, right. that are built into a monitor. I wouldn't spend that much for a monitor if I right. wasn't going to use some. I of don't that understand stuff. what you mean. You know, well, in other words, mirroring was one way to to if I'm just reading and I want a bigger display, that works fine. What about a monitor that's a smart monitor that does other things and and does them well that, that I don't have what on my iPad? What things are you talking about, though? I don't understand what you're where you're going with that. What things that you want to do on the so if well, so, I mean, so you're saying when you're not using the the monitor with your iPad, you want to be able to use the monitor for other stuff. Yeah, I have a remote keyboard, right. so I guess that's adequate to do that, but. But if you've got an Apple TV attached uh, to it, then your monitor because, will be able to do everything that your Apple TV does, which means stream all of your any you know anything you want to stream. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, maybe I may, maybe I just go get the cheapest TV because now I don't care. I don't think it's going to overlap because the Apple TV will take care of all that. You know. Remember, I told you I before had problems getting everything on the screen. But that wasn't when I was mirroring. Right. Well, that it. was that was also with a significantly Apple, older television set. TVs today are designed to to yeah. have computers attached to them on occasion too. People they, they understand that that's what people do, and so they've designed them differently. Yeah, I just better go down to the store to buy it though, so that I can take it yeah. back physically. Well, and the other thing too <laughs> is is if you want 4K, you you almost have to go up to 40 inches, which is really 
big for a monitor. You know, if you go down to like the 36 inch televisions or 30 inch televisions, most of them are 1080p. They're not 4K. So you have to say, you know, where do you want? And then you also want to make a choice. Well, you know, does it support HDR? Because that makes a significant difference. You know, a 40-inch TV oh, at 4K yeah. is not technically retina resolution by Apple's standard. But when you add in the HDR, the shading is so, so uh, you know, much the smaller jumps between pixels. It's so much more subtle, subtle that yeah. the quality of the picture really, really looks impressive. So yeah. lots of stuff to take in there. But, but I... I, yep. like I said, I, I'm using a television set as the monitor on my computer, and then I have another television set that's in here that's mounted up in the corner. That's the TV that I watch just as a TV with an Apple TV attached to it. Um, you know, but I've air shared from my devices to the Apple TV on the on the smaller TV as well. Um, you know, sometimes I reverse it. Like I was in here um, for the Super uh, was it Super Bowl? No, because I that was Super Bowl. I was watching some game, some sporting event. And so I put the sporting event on uh, the big TV, which is my monitor, and then the smaller TV, which is only a 1080p TV, is what I used as my monitor then. I air-shared to that through the Apple TV, you know. So yeah, gives you flexibility. You can use it both ways, you know. The, the, the 4K yep. TV that I have is an HDR 4K 40-inch television set that's a, uh, a TCL Roku TV. So, you know, I can use it as a Roku and stream whatever I want as well. You know? Ah. It's built in. Oh, it's and got Roku that I have in. a Roku remote. And I don't think it streams as well as the Apple TV. I think I've talked about that in the past. But it works. It works. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, so I can, I can flip over and and... I've got it attached to an aerial outside too, so I can watch local stations if I want to on either of the TVs, or um, uh, you know, stream a movie or something on one. I think it was actually a movie. I wanted to see a movie in 4K yeah. HDR in a enclosed space. You know, my office is small, and I can turn the lights off and be dark. And so I thought, and, and I sit close enough to this thing that this TV looks ginormous. So for actually watching a show, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, you know if we're going to make a dent in the stuff, remaining yeah, we better get going. There's a uh, lot to talk here. about. We better. Yeah. Uh, the next one I had here was uh-huh. augmented reality. This is just a Google demonstration, not a product. But uh, they had a video in the article, uh, and uh, that was worth the only thing that was really worth right. doing is go play that video. Because yeah. then you understand well, what's going on. One of the on. things they're talking about uh, is is transcription and uh, and on the fly translation when you're talking to somebody. So like a universal translator, and they already do something like that with their uh, Google Buds, which is actually interesting. If you have their Google Buds and a Google Phone, the Google Phone microphone will pick up what you're listening to and translate it on the fly and play it to you in your ear. So when you're traveling, that's that's pretty yeah. impressive. Um, and this does the same thing, but it also gives you transcription in, in a, on a, you know, on a screen, in front of your face. So that just adds to right. the options because sometimes you, even if it's been translated, you mishear it, or the accents are in the wrong place. And so being able to read the 
subtitles live could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, there's cases where you don't want something on your glasses in front right. of you, like if you're driving yeah. a car or something, right? But th this is assuming you're standing in front of somebody who speaks a language right. that you don't understand, and and but your microphone mm -hmm. picks up their voice. Uh, and I didn't say where the microphone is yeah. on this thing, but somehow yeah. that's getting into your system, and, and it yeah. comes out as the text. Yeah, is, on your, is the microphone on your glasses. the glasses itself, or are they in the phone that you're holding in your hand that – you know, but it doesn't matter. They can work it both ways or, you know, a combination of the two to get the best quality sound. But imagine you're standing there talking to somebody who's right. speaking to you in a language that you don't that you don't understand. And instead of then speaking it into your ear afterwards, you're seeing it uh, translated in front of you. So they don't hear it being speak spoken. And then you can reply in your language and uh, and they then have the same type of technology to hear they what you're saying. It, it'll be like the start, the universal communicator right. in Star Trek. So, yeah, except I, I, it just seems like it'd be better if it went yeah. right directly into Which your Which they ear. do already. Uh, they the, do that the already with the Google Buds. So I just know? think the idea, the transcription, as they point out yeah. here, works really great for hearing impaired, right? So, like, if you're hearing impaired, yeah, right. It, it'll now suddenly you can you can yeah. understand what is being spoken. Right. But I, I, I think where they're headed is they'd like to have both options available. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, you know, works with an individual's yeah. capabilities. So, but anyway, I, I, I thought it was fascinating and, and the progress seems to look good right now. I don't, I don't know what's still holding it up or whether it's one of those things they might announce and cancel in three weeks, yeah. you know, who knows. But uh, when I was first saw it, I said, I saw the demonstration, basically. I said, well, that's pretty dang nice. Yeah. So anyway, it's maybe I said a few years away. I don't know. It could come sooner than yeah. that. No one Google. Or, or it could disappear <laughs> into the ether. Who knows? But the idea is, is phenomenal. That's right. Yep. Anyway, next article moving on. Photoshop has been impressed with M1, 50% faster, and their com their terminology in there don't yeah. blink. <laughs> it's so fast that some of their programs, you know, uh, I think had to be adjusted so that something that yeah. popped we up. We have to slow uh, it down so that you can you put the dialog box on the screen. That that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it's just another kudo for yeah, Apple's move yeah. to the M1, and they yeah. just keep coming. Well, that's a that's a big code block, you know, and, and so uh, I'm sure you know it's been running in Rosetta all this time, and people were thinking it was working. You know, even even in Rosetta, it was running faster than it had on the on the Intel based Macs, and so uh, now to actually get it compiled yeah. to run correctly on that processor is it's just impressive. So uh, now uh, the next article we come to, as it says, a regular person's guide to hybrid quantum. Because <laughs> we're all worried about that. And in, in, yeah, well, in in my way of thinking, the way this article describes quantum computing isn't what I ever had heard before. Uh, 
basically, it's what I used to be referred to as federated computing. You get a bunch of computers together and you allocate the tasks to them. You know, it's a multi or multi-processor kind of thing. That's done inside when you've got multiple processors. And there's different ways to do that. But that wasn't quantum computing. Quantum computing, in my definition, or the one that I understood when you use that term, uh, and they do use quibits in here quite right. a bit. I think I misspelled it. No, that's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, that was the next one on down. Uh, IBM unveils a roadmap for quantum-centric right. supercomputing quibits. But anyway, uh, anyway, what it was is instead of using binary uh, hardware, ones and zeros, is that you actually built hardware computers that could have, uh, you know, uh, quibits implies four, uh, what's the like a, it, uh, base, base, base four. Right, right yeah, so there's four different two. states of, of a switch as opposed to just on off. Yes, and, and so that article kind of just totally blew my mind because they were trying to put something in. You need to do something uh, with your dog barking person. like crazy. Yeah, my wife's out there. Oh, she she pushed the door open. Can you keep her down, honey? What? Ba- baby, she, what's she barking at? Okay, well. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of racket, man. Okay. It's like, give me attention yeah. now. <laughs> well, well, she came and opened my door first. Uh, That's what made it really loud. Yeah. Uh, so she does that. I can't keep her from doing it because she's this door doesn't yeah, have a... Yeah, there's I mean, not a real latch there. The door it's just a friction catch, hold. Yeah. Comes right. Yeah. So anyway, I, I sent you this one just because it said... Eh, these people failed to communicate. Yeah, things. well, I, yeah, I, the, there are some down below that are, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got several things that are talking about quantum computing and, you know, and they're talking about, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. quantum entanglement and how this stuff is, you know, how, how, it, how we can harness it. So they do their best to sort of explain, uh, the one that you seem to, to have an issue with was one that was, uh, talking about trying to use, uh, computational or, or quantum computing is helping uncover materials that turn wasted heat into electricity. So they're kind of capturing the, the, the heat being thrown off oh, yeah. and, and using that to generate electricity is the implication. Uh, I, I, I really uh, think that they're dealing with something that just doesn't make any sense from a system engineering standpoint. The idea is they, they're saying that there's a lot of, heat out there but it's all low low intensity not not high levels of heat unless you get right, right. in the middle of the fire you know in california and forest is burning down but the average heat level is is basically the outcome of just about any process that you have there are, there is no 100 percent efficient process in the world and processes by their nature put off heat because they you can't build devices that are 100 sure. percent efficient so so heat escapes, and therefore you got climate warming if you add it all up from everything. And the answer to this has nothing to do with trying to build individual converters from heat back to something else. 
what you got to do is improve the efficiency of all the devices that are contributing to the problem in the first place. <laughs> you, you can't yeah, work well, the I think they're backwards. saying is that that's an uh, addendum too, as you try to make things more and more efficient in their in their uh, you know use of energy, so that they're not throwing off heat. But you're never going to reach uh, perfection there. That there's always going to be some heat throwing off, and so they're saying just let's capture that heat and use it to you know maybe then create more energy the question is always efficiencies right you got to do the math and say you know how much effort and and energy right. are you using to uh, create this this heat capture system and does it capture enough heat and convert it efficiently enough to make it worth the effort you know right well i i kind of contend that the physics in this whole issue of yeah. heat conversion to something to some energy has to do with uh, uh, something akin to uh, 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 what's what do they call that en- energy? Um, well, I don't I don't know what you're trying to find. <laughs> uh, I, well, while you're thinking about uh, that, I'll I, say I'm, I'm, that you know that the uh, thermodynamics of the whole thing say that you know you're not going to be able to create a a perpetual motion machine that you can. Yeah, That's you're never... the word, perpetual motion. Okay, this so you and I were going for the same spot, motion. basically saying that no matter what you do, we're throwing off energy because there is no perfectly efficient system. And so so trying to recapture energy doesn't create enough energy to to counter, counter the counter loss. Exactly. The it's like you're, there, there's always going to be a, a loss of of energy through heat or, yeah. or something, right? So... so. So anyway, unless I totally misunderstood what they're really after, and I, and I read it again yeah. and again, I said, wait yeah. a minute. I mean, I've seen some <laughs> uh, some interesting things that are thermoelectric generators. In fact, I, there's a, uh, uh, some videos you can find of, in fact, I think you can even buy a thing that basically um, uh, you, you grab it by your hand and the heat from your hand uh, creates enough gener- energy to, to light up an LED light bulb. And so... You know, you don't have any. Uh, it's it's a flashlight that doesn't require a battery because you're essentially the battery because your body's throwing off heat. And uh, uh, I thought it was very interesting. It doesn't create enough energy to really create a very light, a bright light because you know, even though LEDs can be very bright, again, it requires a certain amount of energy to to create that. And this this particular uh, thermoelectric generator just doesn't quite create enough. Um, you know, and if you made it bigger so that it could and, and, you know, wrapped across more parts of your body so that, you know, it was making contact with the skin across your chest or something as you were creating more heat, then it might be able to do that. But then it becomes unwieldy and doesn't work yeah. the way you want it to. Well, I, I after I sent this to you, I, I thought that the, the problem for me was the trying to explain it in just textual language. If you gave me some engineering charts, some graphs of uh-huh. in, input and output, you know, with some measurements, so that I could look yeah. at it and see what's achievable, then then maybe I'd understand exactly. what, the thing you, is, is what they were talking whole, about. This whole article was written, you know, to try to be uh, uh, something that uh, you know an average layperson could read and kind of get an understanding of what's going on. But they don't really answer the questions of the the science and the physics for somebody who is questioning the viability of this you know it, the idea is not bad i mean yeah, you know talking right. about stuff they even show a picture of a kerosene radio <laughs> that used you know a thermoelectric 
uh, battery, essentially, to create enough current to run a radio back in the 1956 Popular Science Edition. And that's a that's a humongous radio. Yeah, that's I got mean, it's a giant, you know, it's 1956. It. It's a big radio, and it's a kerosene lamp dang, yeah. that they're you know dangling inside a house, which is something we wouldn't do today because of concerns yeah. about carbon monoxide. But you know, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, for the same reason that we don't have this device yeah. in our homes today. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to. Yeah, yeah. That. I mean, you're dealing with some basics <laughs> of physics here, and again, you just got to say, well, what, you know, what really makes sense, uh, you know, when you when you when you actually know the the volumes of of you know electricity generated versus the cost of you know and the opportunity cost of maybe just increasing the mm-hmm. uh, you know working working to increase the efficiency of the original system, you probably get bigger gains for smaller costs there than you do in, in trying to do a heat capture system, at least with current science. Now, maybe they're telling us that yeah. there's, that there's you know, some chances, but even even here the article says they're basically searching for a needle in a haystack. That, that the, the... Yeah, and, and, and in the section said, are we there yet, the, the end of the first paragraph says uh, we're – Still limited by their low efficiency. Right. Uh, right. We're talking about the conversion process, you know, and and it just goes on and on. Well, what do you? Where's the success? Right. What's what's encouraging? Yeah. You, well, they're you they're talking going? about a material <laughs> called tin uh, selenide is the highest thermoelectric performance to date. It's twice that of what we had 20 years ago, but you know, it it took them nearly a decade uh-huh. decade to optimize that, and it's you know, I mean, in 20 years they've they're you know, twice as good. You know, twice as good is not very good at all. Yeah. It's still not particularly great <laughs> as as they're going forward. I love the concept, and yeah. I and I think it's interesting that people are doing the deep science and the material science to to figure out, you know, what maybe would and wouldn't work here. And I, you know, and and yeah. who knows? Maybe they're going to find a superconductor type of, of material that makes this, um, you know, work really well. At some point, it might be. I would. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if you know, our electronics instead of charging them, uh, they just we, you know, they've now weaved into our clothing materials that use body heat in order to power them. I think that the concept is phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. but it's very science fiction still. Yeah, and and at about about the time I think, well, maybe they're going to build my confidence uh, up. They'll say something like, "Well, we're." Finding the way forward, like searching for a tiny needle in an enormous haystack. I mean, it's just those keep yeah. deflating remarks yeah. as you move through this article. Yeah. And if I'm you, saying, holy cow, you're supposed to be yeah, convincing if you're any, me if you're that any good, good at, at, uh, <laughs> at uh, reading between the lines and being a, um, a skeptic. This this article is filled with skepticism about, you know, it's like, OK, what you're saying is, is we have an idea and we think it might be cool, but we really don't have anything that, that works at this point. And, and we're hoping that we'll find a material yeah. that works, but we don't even we, – we don't, we don't we know what have, we don't know when it comes well, to finding that material. We don't even know if that material really exists. We know, what it would, we know its characteristics, but we don't yeah. know if it actually exists anywhere. Well, what, what I laughed about when I got to it, it, it's colored red is the line that says, well – uh, what it's revealed is that we have more than 500 previously unexplored yeah. materials 
with high predicate, uh, predicted thermoelectric yeah. efficiency. So, man, you got more materials to look at. Huh? I think he's I think he's selling this to somebody who doesn't understand physics, and he's got to throw some stuff yeah. like this out there. Yeah, to keep the well, money I mean, coming. you know, it's like okay, well, <laughs> we've we've got something that works better than what we had 20 years ago, but it still doesn't work the way we need it to. So, we're we're going to keep looking, and hopefully, we'll find something yeah. that'll do what we want. Uh, yeah, yeah, that needle, you know, and it's like needle. great. Hopefully, yeah. it will, but you know, that's. That's not even, hey, we found something and now we have to make it workable. We're not, you know, it's not a production issue. This is still a, a science hasn't found anything that works yet. And so, I mean, really, that, that's what they're saying yep. is, that, you know, science <laughs> hasn't found anything that works yeah. yet. And, and quite honestly, the unspoken part is, and there's no guarantee we ever will. We, we, you know, you know right. or, if, right. or if we find something, it might that's be, the- yeah, it works great as, as the, the temperature of the thing approaches, you know, zero Kelvin. But, you know, so it's completely impractical. Anyway, I, I sort of concluded when I got down to this one that I've read enough from this outfit. I think maybe the whole magazine stinks because they got the TNW. I don't know what that means, but they're in Amsterdam, apparently. Uh, they publish a lot of stuff. That's yeah, got so it's very popular science-y, science. but even beyond that, it's popular science fiction-y. And that, that, that this is stuff that... People are investigating, but don't really have any um, uh, advances that yeah. look like they're like in the in the process of expanding. They're they're still looking for the solutions, which is interesting. It's very interesting to see where people where yeah. science is going and what they're looking at. But you know, yeah. until there's an actual breakthrough and we say, "Hey, we found something that does what we want it to do," or we found a material that's going to work, or you know. Now it's just an engineering task to get it refined and, and in production. That's that's when you get excited, right? But even then, engi- finding an engineering solution yeah. to make something practical can take decades. Um, you know. Yeah. Although yeah. one of the things they're talking about here is a uh, um, uh, new AI, um, and so you know, hey, if this this new um, Gato AI they're talking about solves the problem for us quicker than we could do it ourselves, right? But then it decides we're not worthy and won't tell us the answer. Yeah. That's the problem with those <laughs> artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's how you make money. If you if you own a secret somewhere and you keep it, you know, it's like uh, what yeah, makes Coke, sauce, Coke, right? 11 herbs and spices and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, those are right. Second, yeah, top great secrets. marketing. You can't know those eleven herbs yeah. and spices. Dr Pepper used to have a like, what was it, twenty four flavors or something like that that they put into Dr Pepper. It's the top secret. Yeah, top secret. Yeah. You can't know what's in Dr Pepper. Well, that that sustained yeah. a lot of companies for a long time, but but then ultimately the Mister Pibs yeah. and whatever the world showed up and said, "Geez." You know, yeah. we just we've use got, a different name, and we we made we, it. We've gotten really just like close to stuff, whatever your you know? flavors are. Yeah, exactly. Because although aficionados, Dr Pepper people will tell you, Mr Pibb is not Dr Pepper, and I can tell, I can taste. It's like it's like <laughs> tasting. I mean, in in my family, you do not serve my wife Diet Pepsi. You know, Diet Coke is what she drinks, and Diet <laughs> Pepsi is is a pale imitation that is not worthy of her palate. Um, and I know a lot of people who feel that way. So, you know, and there's people who are Pepsi people. It's like, yep, nope, that's that's not Pepsi. So, 
You know, there was a documentary a while back on, or maybe yes. it was on 60 Minutes or one of those kind of things, about a um, small Dr. Pepper bottling operation that had a license from Dr. Pepper to make their own syrup. And they made their syrup the, with the original recipe. And they were and and there were actually people who were now starting to buy it and then ship it to other places because apparently the corporate Dr. Pepper got bought out and they're now part of a conglomerate and their recipe has changed and they use, you know, corn syrup and things like that in the Dr. Pepper. And these guys said, no, the original Dr. Pepper recipe was this. And the the corporate Dr. Pepper people finally like bought them out of their their license that they had had to make the original recipe and sh- and shut them down. Uh, you know, they, they have these uh, uh, things on the web now. A lot of them are getting more and more of them uh, that uh, they hook you with some early information, like the one I got hooked on the day before yesterday, I think it was, uh, was they went back to an old 60 Minutes TV show that I had seen long time ago and basically it was about dmso yeah, do you remember yeah. the dmso thing and how it was you know all the athletes of the world were yeah it soaks in through your skin and it brings more oxygen right? into your blood and it does you know but it made like you, you tasted garlic in your mouth when yeah, you used it or something like that so it was hard to do blind studies with it because yeah. anybody who knew what it was immediately knew if it was dmso or not yeah, but the big lie about it is, is that uh, you know it, it really did yeah. harm. It wasn't safe if you took it in, uh, you know strong concentrations. And it turned out that the best place to put it really was just in kind of some kind of a cream or something. And then it yeah. was so diluted. Well, people that it didn't were have it was it was like a solvent you material. You know, dimethyl sulfoxide is DMSO, yeah. and people were using yeah. basically like a paint solvent yeah. and putting it on. But you can still buy it actually if you do a Google right now. If you search for it, you can buy, you know, uh, eight ounces oh, of pure DMSO. Or yeah, and if, and if you don't know so, how to use it, you can kill yourself. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, I don't know that much about it. Yeah. Um, I remember. I remember when it was a big thing. But well, anyway, I got out of their thing and paused that. Well, you, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess there was a pause or something. Just went up and searched DMSO online and found the brand well I, I i started the search after i actually found out this uh, this company's product name the, the the thing that they were selling with the story about the mso that led to their product uh and uh, then I, I found out that no it doesn't work like any, a lot of other things it's, there, there's dsmo in lots of things but it's so minute yeah. amount because of, and they have to have all these disclaimers and stuff to get around the uh, rules uh, anyway, it's just one of those things that wasted your time trying to sell you something. But it, but it had that one set of credibility that I related to because I had remembered those ads and how wonderful it was and yeah. everybody was using it. And then it sud- suddenly disappeared, and that was because the some big companies bought up the. Yeah. Well, it's still out there, you know, you can go get it. I mean, uh, but if I, yeah, I would say, you know, use with caution, go, uh, you know, talk to your doctor, read WebMD and see what some of the side effects are before you do anything like that. Uh, (laughs) But, but you, if you, if you give anybody a hook of something like that, they put together these things and they sell like gangbusters apparently because there's a lot of different 
uh, well, people are always people are always that, looking uh, for a, a, a quick, um, you know, quick like yep. quick lose weight, quick do this, make it easy. I don't have to try. I can eat whatever I want, you know, or that kind of thing. You know, I mean, there's, there's always looking for quick fixes. Well, uh, you know. Oh well, yeah. The, the other the other hook for me was is that since I have the uh, uh, neuropathy, is that that was the, one of the key things that this yeah. pain relief worked for, you know. And I've lived with this long enough that, man, I would just love to get out and run like these guys supposedly that got cured yeah. with uh, with this stuff. Yeah. But uh, Well, you know, it's funny, too, because you you're know. talking about, like, recipes getting lost, too, which was there was a famous um, uh, recipe. What was it? I can't remember which brewer it was, one of the beer companies that went out of business. They they Pabst oh, Blue, yeah, the Pabst, the Pabst you buy today is not Pabst. the Pabst that was around when they were an independent company because they lost the recipe. I used, I used to drink that. Yeah. It was a really good beer, but the crap they came out with yeah. and labeled the same way. Yeah, this is not the blue ribbon beer. Farce. Yeah, now it's basically you know <laughs> PBR. It's cheap. That's yeah. that's that's its marketing pitch. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, well, it's easy to get fooled by this stuff, and. Maybe even do yeah. some damage if you're not careful. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, I mean, the government does their best to try to warn people and, and outlaw things that they can obviously see are dangerous, but... Uh, Boy, have the comedians and comments online recently really gotten almost out of hand with regards to the government. Oh, well, you know, they named it. They, it's like, holy moly, people. You know? Could you pick a more Big Brother-sounding <laughs> name? I don't think so. I mean, who was the marketing person who, in charge of yeah. naming that, you know? Because I think that, you know, if yeah. you look at what they stated they're going to do, it's basically trying uh, – an agency that's going to try to combat some of the propaganda yeah. that's coming out of other countries, you know, like some of the Russia disinformation stuff. The, yeah. If that's what they're doing, great. But, boy, that name implies a lot more, doesn't it? That's true. <laughs> yes, it does. The wrong, yeah. wrong time. Like, to are you language. kidding me? Yeah. So anyway, comedians have had a. Uh, yeah, well, when the government does something stupid that. and hands it to you on a silver platter, it's a comedian's. You know, it'd be it would be yeah. you know, a comedian uh, uh, walking away from their responsibility <laughs> if they didn't take. <laughs> like holy moly! Well, it, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of amazing. I I think there are some lots of people out there who comment on things just online. You know, you read an article and. I go down to the comments oftentimes just because it's yeah. more entertaining than the article sometimes. I agree. You know, I like to check the, um, yeah. the, the, the comments. I will say, though, that every once in a while you start reading the comments and it's just, a, you know, two or three people suddenly are, are complaining about each other's comments. And then it's like, okay, I, yeah. I'm done. I don't want to listen to you right. guys, you know, yeah. t you know, try to tear each right. other down. Right. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, sometimes, like you said, the, sometimes the comments are more insightful and, and certainly more entertaining than than the articles in some case. Yeah, mom will sit there sometimes, and I'll just bust out laughing. She's like, "What are you talking comment. about?" Yeah, so I'll play it back well, to her. What are you I doing? Said, it's like, well, out of context, it's not that funny, but it was pretty funny reading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, night vision filters for eyeglasses. This is interesting. On, uh, so you don't have to wear like the goggles to see things at night. These are night vision filters for eyeglasses that see uh, 
let you see more clearly. It's an ultra-thin film yeah. comprised of nanometer-scale crystals that transform infrared light into images people can see. Well, what what they've done is taken the military-grade uh, light glasses and made them affordable and much more appealing yeah, to look at. Yeah, they're basically like looking through what a little telescope military... mounted on your face. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a part, big, I, part of that, too, is thing, those... You know? um, some of those are designed, you know, so that they amplify the amount of light that's already out there as opposed to just um, reflecting the light, you know. And so, right. the, you know, the, the military-grade right. stuff is – it works on a quite uh, – you know, it works on a different um, uh, set of physical laws than, than like a lot of the more commercial type C in the dark type things. But um, – I don't know. I, I think it's exciting. I would love to see this. I mean, imagine even just being able to drive better at night because you've got something that amplifies the light. Of course, then people's headlights might be even more of a problem. My eyes are sensitive, and sometimes the headlights bother my eyes already. Well, unless it's a yeah, heat infrared. Source. This is basically uh, dealing yeah. with uh, infrared. Yeah. So it's extending the the ability of the eye, which only sees. Right. the color spectrum or the light spectrum uh, to uh, include right. heat. And so basically uh, the hood of your car right. is going to stand out because it's got heat underneath yeah. it. It might, I don't know. It depends on how the air, air flow is like, but uh, you got to just realize that it's not a right. light. Imagine if you're out running or jogging at night too, though, you know, you'll see somebody that's, you know, hiding behind a shrub or something. Um, you'll be able to, yeah, you yeah, are animals spot that are out possible night, right? danger more easily. Yeah. So some advantages here. Uh, I think it's cool tech, you know, especially because it's just a, a coating it, on it glasses that you're, I mean, you know, your glasses already have coatings on them now to keep down glare and to, you know, automatically make them uh, dim when you go out into the bright sunlight and things like that. So this is just another coating. Yeah. By the way, I, the only thing I found uh, that I wanted out of this was what's the price yeah. of these glasses. When you come out with new stuff, you know, maybe, maybe they're not ready for manufacture yet. And they're, you know, you can't, that's why they talk about something that's coming, coming down the pike. But I'd love to see some estimates of yeah. what they can achieve. Yeah. Well, here know? they're talking about the technology. They're not really talking about it as a product yet. So. Um, but they're saying it's right. pretty yeah. pretty low cost and easy to do. So, well, and and from what this gal in here looks like, you know, it yeah. looks like regular sunglasses. Yeah. Well, right? the way those glasses are designed, they're kind of wrapped around her face. They look like the glasses they put on your face after they've like dilated your pupils or something. But uh, that, and, and right. maybe there's a yeah. reason for that. Maybe <laughs> it needs to block light coming in from the sides and stuff in order for them to work efficiently. But either way, I think, you know, if this becomes something that you can order on your glasses, you know, just like you order, you know, glasses tinted to be sunglasses or, you know, anybody who wears glasses knows that there's, you know, a variety of options of coatings that you can get on your glasses when you buy them that, you know, kick the price up another 40 or 50 bucks. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that that making that one of the options, I think, would be very intriguing. You know, just like people get sunglasses, yeah. they would get night glasses. You know, right? Yeah. Well, 
There's more than one yeah, I thing you want to see. In a pair of glasses that enhance my my vision. Might might even might even be cool so that you could flip back and forth in kind of a quick way to see the match the real world with the with the thermal world. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe do one you eye know, with it, one without, so you like you can go back and forth, right? Right. Because I was thinking you might get, you know, unless you. Until you tried one, yeah, I guess right. you don't know what the experience would be like. But you might, your your brain might be confused by these new mm-hmm. kinds of visions, you know, sights. So, and you don't want to confuse the brain. Let's face it, there's yeah. enough of that going on already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're bombarded with visual information in ways that we never were with, you know, walking around with our little pocket computers. Yeah. You know, there's another thing that uh, I find really interesting that I've been reading about, and that is uh, uh, the avoidance of religion in science of any kind. And it's it's an essential way of getting people to think about things, but it really runs up against a real wall when it comes to psychiatry. And when you think about it, people that are religious, uh, well, at least what I was taught is that there's the body and the soul. And in fact, I'm very much aware of all kinds of experiences that basically show that they are uh, indeed a separate soul where the soul can see after you die uh, for, and, and, and come back. There have been lots of people who have near-death experiences. And so they, they don't say do you die. In some cases you, they do. They say this person uh, died and then they were revived. You know, it's not the normal language yeah, of, of conversations. That's, that's, but yeah. yeah, that's you know, it's not it's not so unique that right. people haven't heard these stories before. And, and and there's no way that the psychiatrists can get their arms around this because all of the things that are explained by this soul body or soul mind concept uh, are just totally outside and excluded from well to play devil's advocate there are psychologists uh, who will say that there are chemical reactions that cause what our perceptions in these quote near-death circumstances like the seeing of a light and things like that and anyway there's getting to be quite a bit of stuff in the Mm -hmm. in the literature about this pro and con from both sides you know and so I think it's it's kind of fascinating because there are clearly different explanations uh, for how to deal with right. all these things and yeah. the data. Well, and data let's we face have, it too. You know? I mean, while there are certainly scientists who are atheists, there are also certainly scientists who believe strongly in in whatever faith it is that they believe in. And so you know, those people are out there trying to reconcile, you know, their their faith with with the science that they're seeing in front of them. And sometimes there's not a direct correlation. You know, there's not an easy way to explain stuff. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah, in fact, I, I have read articles by uh, both sides that basically tell you to avoid the other side because they're, that's the only way they yeah. can sell them, yeah. what they're doing. You know? Don't read these guys, a guy who's got that real psych, uh, psychology degree because he yeah. he won't well, let you see, I, my feeling is that's the exact opposite yeah. is like <laughs> read all of it 
read both sides of the story, and and then and then you know yeah. you choose to believe what you're going to believe. You know, I mean, it's it's, but but yeah. don't limit or hide access to information. You know, you don't have to believe it or agree with somebody. Right. Um, and and you know, it's perfectly yeah. reasonable that two very well educated people, watch, looking at the same information, can draw different conclusions. You know, that's that's yeah. perfectly reasonable. And 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 what makes the world go round? You know, we all bring something different to the table. So. Um, yeah. You know, but it's interesting stuff. You know, it's because. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was pointing it out. I just it's some, something that I wasn't familiar with before. And the interesting thing about this discussion is that you will have uh, people, let's say, like Baptists and Catholics on one side of the argument, just that for, for a specific case, uh, versus the psychiatrists. Or you go the other way, and and you might have the Baptists yeah. versus yeah, on the different Catholics, topics, right? You know, on some, you know, some arguments, or you know, you you get. Yeah. The Elon Musk will tell you that it's you know that the whole thing is just a, a, a an echo in the code because we're all living inside of a giant um, uh, AI. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. he says it's just a bug in the code. <laughs> it's, to him, it's artificial. You know, he thinks that there's a, uh, I, at least, of course, he he also says a lot of things that he, th- he I think he says them just to get under people's skin because he he gets off on that. Um, you know, he knows if somebody's uptight about something, he'll bring it up just to irritate them. You know, he 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 likes he likes poking the poke. Yeah, he likes poking the bear. He really does. He just yeah. loves it. He he, yeah. he loves. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people are saying, why on earth would you want to buy it? You've already got a bajillion followers and you can use it any way you want. Why, why spend all that money? Um, but you know, it's, he has, he has on several occasions said that he thinks that we could all be just part of a giant simulation and we would never know it from the inside. So, you know, and there's been some other very respectable (laughs) people who have said, there's no way for us not to know that, you know, it's possible. That we're all just running as a simulation inside yeah. of some giant computer. Like, how would we ever know? You know, if if we were, we wouldn't, right? I mean, well, uh, unless the the guy controlling the whole thing comes to Earth and convinces us by dying and there rising you go. again, exactly. That, hey, you know, it's he's like, real too. It, <laughs> but you know, we would not have the capacity to understand. The programmer, right? I.e. God, right? I was, it's just, you know, right. what name do you right. want to give that, right? The the great programmer yeah. in the sky? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's... Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think think we, we're going to end up translating just to different words somebody prefers to call what we yeah, call. Yeah, and I think there's else, a lot of know? that, you know. And, it's like, okay, fine. You know, you call it what you want to call it. You know, I, I, I don't have a, that's your business. Yeah. You know, there is free choice. Yeah. So yeah. true. Well, yeah. in some places. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that, that, that's really been strange to me about our country. I have never heard, never thought I would ever hear people who say they don't want freedom of speech. And I've heard that lately. 
and and the actions all given yeah, away. Somebody's, I mean, yeah, somebody's yeah, somebody's been incredible. There's been a fair number of people's knee jerk reactions to things on Twitter is then you don't get to talk. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was America. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I fought for. I mean, you know, I've worked 20 years yeah. for freedom of speech, man. That piece of paper says a yeah, lot of things yeah, that, yeah. I, mean, I believe you know, in. That's, <laughs> that's been sort of a, a, a bug, above all, you know, the, the belief in, you know, the rule of law and the Constitution has sort of been the backbone of this country. It's a little scary. It's a little scary when you when Absolutely. you hear people at the national level saying, "Well, that is bad speech, and so therefore it's not going to be allowed." And you're going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. The Constitution I'll, I'll doesn't say we protect only good speech, and you get country. to decide what the good speech is. No, we we do that with the end of a yeah. gun, you know, or a sword. Whether you get to talk or not, right? That's what it yeah, comes well, to. Yeah. Well, that's certain. That's that's what that's what happens in a lot of places in the world, and you hate to see it happening in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yeah, that that's why you got to do something about it before it happens. You know. That said, here we sit saying whatever we feel like, blasting it out to the world. (laughs) Yeah, yay America, America. You know we. As a country, we make plenty of mistakes, yeah. but we we try to figure it out and keep on trucking. So, um, mm-hmm. I think we've kind of talked through all the articles. I thought we had a heck of a list, but we did pretty good, you know. Well, yeah. we dismissed some of them pretty quickly. I knew that. I told you there yeah. was some surface. Well, kind of there were some so, several articles, that were but... AI articles, and we kind of browsed that briefly, but we didn't go into a lot of deep, you know, talking about. Uh, was it the Clearview AI? is the uh, open source AI that uh, Musk has put some money behind as well as Microsoft and a few other companies. Um, and their, their yeah. goal is to try to create a, a uh, what do they call it, a um, uh, general AI. So... General... Yeah, I. By the way, I got my initial backwards. There we Artificial go. General AGI. That's, yeah, AGI. That's that's the the one I was trying to get the exact. I want to make sure we got the language right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 problem with using that type that high level descriptor is that, as I said here, needs a substantial detailed breakdown. Yeah. What is of what is the complete definition before, of what that before, is? So how do you know if you've reached it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that 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 they have defined that, but it's probably a multi-page document defining what that is. It's not something, not something that you can say in oh, a nice, yeah. concise oh, yeah. way. You know? But but in order to 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 really know anything about it, you got to have the details. In this yeah, case, the yeah. Honestly, I, you know, when they're doing an article like this and they're talking about that, they really should link to the uh, Clearview AI definition. Yeah for that so you could so then we can all agree yeah what success or, or failure is yep so anyway uh that that's why this stuff is a little difficult to talk about and i i had hoped some hopes of by selecting these articles to clear up some of it but in turn in general i'm more critical about the article for not having cleared up something yeah. You know? Yeah, when you talk about something and you just present a bunch uh, of information and you don't draw any conclusions, I guess 
that's what news used to do, right? We're we're just not used we're just not used to that anymore. Yes. We want you to wrap it up in a nice bow for us at the end. Yeah, yeah. That is a little that is a little funny. It's a little shocking anyway. when we when we draw that conclusion, right? Because we're so used to it. We want you to come up with it, whether we agree with your opinion or yeah. not. We want you to tie it all together and give us a, a, a summation and. When they don't, when they just say, here's what's going on and here's where we stand and here's the study, you're kind of like, well, that's not very yep. well written. And actually, it maybe is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just not so. very satisfying to read. <laughs> and, as, no. as all of the Internet has found, <laughs> right, you want something satisfying and make it real sticky so people come back and read more, you've got to basically not only tell them all the information, but then tell them what to think after they've read the information. Which sounds terrible, but that's pretty much mm-hmm. the way stuff is written these days, and that's the way the news is told on television these days. You know, they always conclude by telling you what you're supposed to think about what they just told you. Yep. T- tell me how to think rather than give right. me information. And, and sadly, when they don't mind. do that, then we complain Everything. that they're not really doing a very good job. <laughs> uh. Well, and I, and I tune out, I tune out yeah. a lot of times because of that. Yeah. No, I do too. Yeah. I do too. I um, I wake up in the morning and I tend to listen to uh, one or two different sports shows where they talk about what's been going on, you know, the night before. And I put that on while I'm getting ready, making the bed and stuff. And I had gotten a little tired because they'd kind of been stuck in a rut about talking the same stuff. And so I instead decided that I would record a couple different like evening news shows so they would be from the night before and I would watch them just so I could kind of get a summary of what they're talking about I watched the other day mm-hmm. I sat down and kind of watched each of the different evening news shows to see what I thought would maybe be one that I could use as an occasional morning show I hated pretty much all of them because almost all of them to me and I got some from Fox and some from CNN and some from BBC. And I'll tell you, the BBC one came the closest to just telling me some news. The others I felt very much were um, news buried in a bunch of opinions. And and it seemed like propaganda-type opinions in a lot of cases from, from most of the United States-sourced news. Yeah. Well, you know, they've lost most of their viewership in the news shows anymore because – yeah. It's all on the internet, you know. I a lot of times I read this stuff. And I say, well, I, I read that all about that in detail. Yeah. I don't need any more detail, but I can't skip over it on the TV. Yeah. So sometimes I just yeah, turn it off. Yeah, even if you watch snippets on uh, online, you can skip it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the nice thing about uh, watching it recorded. You know, I watch. I I, re, I record it from the evening before, that's and then right. I just you know I jump commercials if they're talking about something I don't care about, or if they start preaching to me about their their particular propaganda, I just okay, I'm moving on. You know, yep. but when you find you have to sit with the stupid skip button, ready to go all the time, it's like, well, how much of, <laughs> how much meat is there on this bone? Doesn't seem like much. You know, right. at some point you right. just go, meh, meh. Yeah, and and the unfortunate thing is that today a lot of the news shows yeah. have even recognized yeah. that they're an entertainment show so that they, they really, 
You know, there's not. Yeah. There's, there are, you can should expect there isn't a lot of news. Exactly. Every day. Exactly. I mean, that's you asking know. Too but much, you know, really. I, like, you know, we know some of the big things going on, right? You know, there's a Supreme Court thing that got leaked. Uh, we know there's a war in Ukraine. So you just kind of want some updates. You know, there was this horrific, horrific shooting in Buffalo. Right. That, you know, I want to just. Is there any update as to what's going on? You know, I mean, I guess, uh, uh, you know, initially they had said nine and then another person died. So, you know, knowing that, you want to know, yeah, you want to know what's happening in the world. Yeah, what did they find out since the, this incident happened about, you know, the, the various people? I, I, had, I guess they, there were, there were 12, peop- 12 people shot, uh, 10 of them died. Um, the young man who did it was wearing body armor. And had published a manifesto online yeah. and drove 100 miles to Buffalo because he wanted, apparently in his manifesto, he wanted to get to an area that was, was uh, where there would be a bunch of black people because that's what he set out to do was kill black people. Uh, and, you yeah. know. Yeah. But he had already right. been looked it, into yeah. uh, last year when he was still in, Last year when he was still in high school, go, he had published you know? something online that had been threatening to his school. And so they had followed him and checked him out and and investigated him then and and and, and nobody thought that well maybe we should yeah. track this guy but you know yeah well and, I mean, alone you know i i'm i'm not gonna jump all over you know i don't know that they have enough people to follow everybody who's put something online that's hateful but i will say that you know when you've investigated somebody it'd be nice to have somebody check in on him and see if he's continuing to spiral in hate or whether he has um done something else because yeah, well, what kind exactly. of environment is he in? You know, that's that's what sure, that's you know. what really. But it doesn't even this. necessarily mean like his home environment. He it could be his online environment, right? He could have the most loving, wonderful home environment, but right. be getting poisoned by groups that he interacts with online. You just, you know, but you need to follow up on that if this guy's yep. already made threats to people. Um, you know, I mean, my heart just goes out to those families of uh, of the people. You know, they did a, oh, a, a brief uh, rundown of this lady who who basically opened her home for to homeless people and and was a community icon that would feed yeah. people and just you know everybody called her Auntie something and I can't remember her name but yeah uh, you know just the horror of going to your oh, yeah. grocery store and you can't even feel safe. That's it. Well, that's that's how we it's all like who doesn't go to their this, grocery you know? store and who, uh, and ever thought that that would not be a, well, a safe space. In fact, in fact, you know what that that brought to my mind? I should be thankful that I haven't had to yeah. go to a grocery store anymore. Now, mom, mom goes occasionally. I'm yeah. going to worry a whole lot more about that. But uh, basically, I will order online. Yeah, they bring it out to your car. And go pick it yeah. up out in the parking lot. Yeah, I'll pay somebody to do that right. and pick up off the, off the shelf. And that, that works so well to me. That's a better model right. to, of the future grocery store, you know. Uh, and and I think there are going to be some stores that just start out with uh-huh. that concept to begin with. You don't you don't yeah. go in and shop. Well, I know you there's just, some people who want to pick out their produce together for and you. pick out their own. You know, you know, and oh yeah, but that and they'll have a section section of the store right. much smaller than a big supermarket. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to go in and get. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to see something go stuff. more back to that model. Remember the best stores, not Best Buy, but Best. Yeah, and what you would do yeah, is you'd so walk I in through the showroom, and they would have what? one of everything out of the box, and you'd look pretty, and you'd walk around with a little pad yeah. of paper, and you'd just so, you'd write down the little four-digit number on the on the thing, and then you'd go over to the cashier and pay for it, and this giant conveyor belt would come down from the warehouse, which was above the store, 
and all your stuff would come down on this thing, and they would then hand it to you, and you'd walk out. Well, you know, you take that to the next logical step yep. is we do the buying. The, the showroom is now online, and, you know, they comes down the warehouse conveyor belt, and they shove it out the window as in a drive through and there you go. You know? Yep. Yeah, I, cert- I certainly don't need to look at the cans to decide. Yeah, decide yeah, most packaged foods. You know? and, and let's face it, I mean, anything that you buy – Away from that, so like Walmarts and uh, Targets and Best Buy stores and uh, bookstores, you know, you want to you want to fight against Amazon. It's like don't wait for it to be delivered. It's available for you now. Just come over and pick it up. But you don't have to get out of your car. I'm surprised that we haven't seen that yeah. happen with uh, as a test with more of these kind of stores that do general merchandise. Where you know, and they're sort of doing it with the we run it out to the parking lot. But I I think you're right. A store where there where there's basically like a drive-in um, uh, restaurant, like right. You drive up and you hit the little speaker and just say, you know, I'm here. Or here's my order number. You know, or scan my phone. Well, you got the phone but yeah, but that. I mean, I mean that's, that's that kind you're... of thing. And in fact, you could even build the the building with multiple drive-throughs so that it's. You know, instead of sitting out in the parking lot and have people running out to you, that seems a little inefficient. Yeah, that does. You're right. Yeah. Re- rethink the whole thing and build the store right. and everything to support the concept. Yeah, you that, know? instead of vice versa. We got yeah. Your primary your primary now, means you know? of sales should be that as opposed to coming in the store. And then the coming in the store thing is the the one-off for certain things that you definitely want to like, you know, I mean, for the targets and Walmarts, if you want to try on the clothes, okay, we'll have some, some, some dressing rooms. Yeah. You know, cause that's something yeah. that Amazon can't well, do with e- the e- ship e- in the mail, right? You get it. If it doesn't fit, you have to send it back and then they send hey. you another one. No, let, 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 let me tell you a better way to shop for clothes. I just, ha- I just create and, and maintain and update this little yeah. file that says it's me, and it knows every size. Yeah, you don't even have to pick the size. The system you know, knows your sizes. All, yeah. Don't show me yeah. something if you don't yeah. have my size. That's the first thing. I just want to eliminate all yeah. the crap I have no interest in. You know. Yeah. And well, Amazon's starting do to do some of that kind of stuff. Like when you go to, if you've ordered clothes before or shoes before, it will it will say this is the size that we think yeah. should fit you. Now, you can override yeah. that if you yeah. don't think so. And you can read people's comments about whether yeah. it tends to run large or run small or whatever. Yep. I, I, I think that uh, all, all of this marketing stuff needs to be completely rethought in terms of what what we went through and how well it worked, given that we just had to adapt to the old system. Uh, it was kind of amazing how fast they turned that around and made it so that we could uh, could do it safely. You know? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, no, I agree. Are you there? But 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 also for people like me who I can't walk through the aisles anymore, you know, or yeah. don't want to take my scooter through. You know, I, I just I can still go do useful yeah. things by driving my car. Yeah, you no, know, and, and it's, you know, less um interaction with a crowd which is you know healthy for yeah transmission of diseases as we've learned 
Um, you know, it creates some efficiencies yeah. for the store if they're actually designed the store to work that way. So. So anyway, we I just think so. We need to uh, here, invest heavily in somebody redesigning. There's the problem is is you know you launch a new store that works this way, and Walmart and Target copy it. There's nothing there to copyright yeah. about like make, making a drive-through store, right? There's nothing you can protect. There's no competitive advantage right. other than try it, and if it works, then everybody else will do it too. Yeah. Yep. Well, stores need to be reduced, physical stores, to those things that people want to have a product yeah. selection process, you know? And and I mean the vast majority of yeah. people, not just a few people who will... Yeah. Well, and sometimes you, know, you would say at... there's going to be a certain percentage of the population who's just not going to do this because it's different and it's new or it doesn't fit the way they want to do things. Uh, you know, there's a yeah. design story in, in the world of design where they talk about when... Um, uh, Dodge made the decision to change the way the front end of their trucks look and put the big fenders on it and the, make it look more like a Mack truck, sort of. And when they did that, they yeah. said 80% of the people hate this. But 20% but twenty of the people love this. And right now we only have 10% of the truck market. We could possibly double our, our piece of the market by looking, to by looking totally different than Fords yeah. and Chevys. And they did that. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. They increased their market share. And, in fact, so much so that then Ford and Chevy sort of copied them. Yeah, they kind of redesigned the front business, end of their yeah. trucks to look less square and look more, uh, you know, like a like a semi. Um, you know, yeah. and that, that was a couple decades ago now. So, you know, design has changed significantly for all of them since then. But, you know, Ram trucks are no longer, like, bottom of the barrel like they were at one time. Um, they're very popular. Right. So. so. Well, with the, with the new uh, uh, electric vehicles, it's going to change a lot of things there, too. Although, I think, in my mind now, they've moved the goalposts way out. There is no way that we're going to have the major even the majority of people, cars on the road, be yeah. electric in 10 years that's op that's optimistic yeah. and not going to happen and the reason reason is is that they can't build them. well they're uh, also fine because of they're the finding that there's a lot of issues like yet. hey guess what our grid wasn't designed to handle all of these cars charging at night so so all of that solar power that yeah. people have been pushing for is useless at night and and so we can't handle yeah. that extra load and as a result, we're increasing the cost of all of our electrical. So suddenly these money savings with electric cars is starting to, to fade as well. So. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it, it wasn't designed uh, in a systematic way. And nobody has bothered to do the essential analysis of, of even how to yeah. do the transition. Thus, German, Germany got out of the business of using fuel things and suddenly they're in a war. And all they can get uh, their fuel uh, is from Russia, the enemy. You know, my God, from a security standpoint, that says that everything that's required for military use has to be has to come from home. And until we understand that, you, you can say, well, who gives a rats about telling me I'm going to die in 30 years because of climate if I'm going to lose my life because I can't fight a war anymore, defend myself. 
I mean, there's priorities. <laughs> you got you got to look at yeah. It. Well, and security yeah, well, is I was always say, the those, top The end. two that you mentioned are not like necessarily an either or, but but you're right. You always have to you balance yeah all of your options and say what's the most um, uh, pressing thing right now, and you know the health and well-being of yeah. people with bombs falling around them is you know suddenly you you're, you it focuses you really well. Yeah. As, absolutely. Yeah, this this war in Ukraine has has brought out just as many important things about how you live your life as as the uh, COVID did. I mean, the, the, these are all learning lessons. Yeah. You, you don't learn the lessons. Yeah, you you des- you're, well, you're you deserve the results. Repeat them, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, look at poor old poor, look at poor old Finland now deciding how how important NATO yeah. is. You know. And, and there's a lot of people who kind of say, you know, well, what are they going to pay for not having NATO all these years that we paid into NATO, you know? So it, co- it yeah. should cost you more the later hey, you, you wait. Did you happen you to, to uh, see anything from the anyway. most recent, uh, this weekend's um, Bill Maher show? Uh, I really am, am respecting Bill Maher. Yeah. No, I, I haven't. But, yeah, I, I, I tend to uh, catch it. I don't always catch it live, but sometime in the week, at, you know, he, new shows come out like on Friday or Saturday or something like that. And, uh, you know, he's talking about San Francisco and saying, when did they legalize shoplifting? There used to be some shame or at least some skill to it. You know, now they just go in yeah. with a trash bag and, and a hammer and start bashing stuff while the, while the, uh, the security guard watches you and lets you walk out, you know? His comment was they showed yeah. a picture of uh, a bunch of, like, crest and tooth whitening strips behind glass. And he goes, it's not a CVS store. It's a zoo for teeth whitening strips. You know, it's like they're behind. Keep the teeth whitening strips behind the glass so nobody can walk in and steal them because apparently they're a high theft item. Yeah. You know, and quite honestly, before the shortage, that was the case with baby formula. People would come into stores and steal baby formula. A lot of stores had to put baby formula behind lock and key. And I, I always find I, I, that shocked me when I heard that. But that's been the case for a couple of years. A couple of years ago, I, I saw that, you know, the shelves for baby formula yeah. are now behind glass with a lock thing. And you have to get somebody with a key to come open it up if you want to buy it. You know, razors. You can't walk into a store and buy razor blades because they're behind lock and key or behind the counter because people steal them. And it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. But I can order yeah, them online so. and pick them up, right? Everything's behind lock and key when you do it that way, right? There's Honestly, there's another motivation for yeah. stores doing it that way. Like you want to get rid of, of uh, uh, theft in your stores, don't let people in. That's right. These these are that's just right. distribution. They places. stay outside. You hand it to them. So, yep. you know, or like then uh, Amazon has done this. You just create a giant bank of big lockers with a pin code on them. You send somebody a pin code, they go pick up their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that might be a place where you wouldn't want to be. Because yeah, exactly. The guys are there to yeah, away from yeah. You and if the security guard's going to sit there and videotape instead of protect you, it's probably that could be scary. You're right. Yeah, it's like now they just hang out in the, in the uh, in the parking lot and wait for you to get your stuff, and they take it from you. It's like I'd rather they take it from the store than take yeah. it from me. 
<laughs> That's right. Leave me alone. Oh, man. <laughs> Throw it in the car as I drive by. I'll leave the window yeah. open. <laughs> no kidding. Drive by slowly and chuck it in the back. That's where pickups make a big sale because it's a bigger target, right? You know, Just throw in the back. I'm not stopping. Right. <laughs> you know, when it comes to picking up things, we, we might build different vehicles too so that instead of having to have everything in a separate bag and all that, you just have pallets of your stuff or whatever, and and it fits right into your car. You just, whoosh, it all goes in. As you, you don't even have to stop hardly. You can do it on the yeah. move. Yeah, I mean, really, it's if they I if mean, they do yeah. it right, if they've timed it and they get the whole just in time delivery thing right, it should be minimal, right? I mean, right now I've done this a couple. Right. I haven't done the groceries like you have, but I've bought a couple things from Home Depot when COVID was going on, and the line inside the store because they made everybody stand six foot apart reached the entire length of the store, and I'm like, I, I don't want to go inside there and stand in a line for the next hour to buy, you know, my three three nails and four screws to fix the door I'm dealing with. Um, but I, I and, and I, obviously yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I did have them bring it out to the car. And the only thing I can say with that is sometimes there's mm-hmm. a bit of a wait sitting in your car waiting for them to bring their stuff out. You know? Yep. But I think that as time has gone by, they're getting better and better at that because they're finding more and more people want to take advantage of it. So... Well, yep. it is now well past where we normally go. And so, yeah, I was going to say, I'm no surprised your I'm stomach hungry. hasn't said stop talking. But uh, why don't we wrap it up? We thank everybody for joining us each and every week here on Generation Tech. We ask that you check out our other podcast as well. And we'll see you again next Monday. Bye. Have a good okay, one. Okay, Todd. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Ah, happy Monday. Oh, there you are. There you are. I was waiting uh, for you to say something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just sending, just finishing up sending a letter out. Let me finish it here just a moment. All right. I'll be with you. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. Okay. I think I got this taken care of. Now I can put that away and get ready to do the show here. Uh, ready for a really big shoe. I sent a few messages out yesterday. You uh, might a few. Holy moly, there's a ton here. But yeah, I got them all. I've opened them all up. I haven't read through them all yet, but I've opened them all up. Well, some of them probably aren't worth opening up. Really, I sent them and then I said, well. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't, you know. Yeah. Stuff to talk about or decide not to talk about. Either way. Right. Yep. Okay, I'm kind of settled in here. Been to the bathroom. I got my drink and now, all see. the necessaries. See if I can get my iPad open. I've been on the computer using my iPad as a reader while I'm working. Working on a computer activity. I'm 
I am a newsletter editor for our Knights of Columbus Council, mm-hmm. and I and I haven't put one out since back in COVID days a year and a half ago, and uh, trying to get things rejuvenated here, and uh, sometimes when you haven't done something in a long time, it doesn't move along too smoothly. <laughs> yep. Anyway, let's see here. First thing I need is your letter, the letter I sent to you. Where is that? Oh, there's, oops, wrong one. Social. Um, and I think I need to go back and get all messages. Back. All messages. Oh. It does that. I'm not getting your message. What uh, are you talking about? Well, I'm trying to find my page in the app, messages app, and it has a filter on it, and it's uh, I can change that to all messages, known senders, and unknown senders, and depending on what I was working on last. The filter is stuck mm-hmm. on unknown senders. So mm-hmm. I put it on all senders. Now, I guess you're in there somewhere. Well, uh, I didn't send it. You sent it to me. So. Well, that's that's true, but it should have your number on a 9-1-something. I don't even know what it is. See, I don't have people's names on these. That's the other thing. It's stupid app. It, I, I've fixed it a jillion times, and it just keeps coming back, giving me numbers you know and yeah so it's picking lo- up the some, somehow it's losing its connection to your contacts app. yeah yeah and uh it's just annoying oh it so. is that's that's incredibly annoying because that's like saying suddenly you don't get urls anymore and you have to remember uh you know the the uh um ip addresses for every website you want to phone numbers to. yeah exactly <laughs> holy moly so anyway with with a lot of stuff I don't need in my message box, it's kind of sometimes hard to find things. Right. Well, look for the last four digits seven two five six. Yeah, I got, I've got it now. I yeah. Found it here. So now, uh, are are we recording? I guess automatically, like you say. Yeah, it comes on automatically, and then I just edit out from where we don't need you know our our, our yeah. front end chit chat that is of no interest to anybody. <laughs> So um, I basically scrolled back up to the last text that I sent, which you, the, which would have been Apple discontinues the iPod after 20 years. And then you oh, go, then your first one was self-driving truck company looks to fix supply chain issues. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Did you, did you see that? Yeah. What the guy so, was doing? What, let's, let's start talking with the iPod and then we'll just work our way down the list. How's that? Sounds great. So because I think we should talk about the Apple discontinuing the iPod. So, uh, 